Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so transfer deadline day is upon us. Well, it's been upon us for, what, nine hours now? Is it nine hours going on? Oh, no, ten hours. I've got some of the usual suspects, some people you don't really hear from that often. I've got Gav, Jimmy, uh, Callum's not with us, we've got Graham and I've got Copley. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Oh, good, oh, good. Everybody's Fucking deadline, dear bitches! <laughs> Thanks for I, deadline, dear! I'm all right. <laughs> that was a bit weird. Well, I, I was going Everyone to jump in. from Graham is excited. But, well, I'm excited. I just, I, I show excitement in different ways. Good times, fair enough. We'll talk more about that later, I think. <laughs> um, if you're paying, if you've been living under a rock, you won't have known what's going on with Sunderland right now, or maybe you're not living under a rock and there's just nothing going on with Sunderland right now. Last we heard, there were, what, three people at the academy, I believe. They were looking to sign deals. Um, Gav, what do you know about it, mate? Anything likely to happen anytime soon? Well, from what Keith Downey's just tweeted, we aren't signing the striker, which is probably... Ooh the worst piece of news anyone could have given us because I, like if, if you'd sport any Sunderland fan, if you'd done a straw poll of like a thousand Sunderland fans and said, uh, what's the priority position that we've, that was strengthened today. Every single person would have said striker number one priority yet. We've got here today by all accounts, Bruce has just pulled the plug on McCormack because he doesn't want to send a rival bearing in mind that <laughs> It's now surfaced that that was pulled yesterday. So what have we been doing since yesterday? I mean, we've got two hours to sign a striker, and I just don't think it's going to happen. I think mm. I think we've majorly dropped the bollock. Um, we're now looking at going into the season with with James Vaughan grabbing, and then like hoping what more returns semi fit and able to kick straight on, and then like Josh Madger who. For, you know, a good young player, but you we're expecting a lot of these lads, and I just think I think we've we've maybe dropped the ball there. Um but we'll see how the next two hours goes, I guess. I just I just I just think we've we've maybe cut ourselves a little short and a few of the players that we're being linked with sound all right in theory provide the coming, but they're loans and um I think we've I think we can you know go off the last couple of years how badly we've we've dealt with having loan players at Sunland and how it's done us no good in the long term. I just think we're we shoot ourselves in the foot, really, but I think McManaman could be a strong sign, and I think he's he, when he was at Wigan, he was a good player, and he's lost his way a little since. But I mean, he, for the championship, you'd expect somebody like that would be all right. Gives us a bit of width and pace, and he does work hard, which is what Grayson likes his wingers to do. Um, Mark Wilson hasn't played a lot of football in the last couple of years. Signed for Bournemouth last summer, and then 
hasn't made an appearance. Went out to West Brom and only got his games towards the end of the season in May. Um, and then, and then obviously, other than those two, we're looking at we're looking at uh, Williams, aren't we? From Palace, who the the Palace fan that I interviewed on the site today, um, sung sung you know his praises. Thought he thought he's an absolutely brilliant player who's just been unfortunate with injuries. Um, and if he stays fit, could be a real asset to us. And then obviously Ipswich fans think the world of him when he was there last year. So I think of the three, he's the most impressive. Um, it just I just find it a little strange that centre mids that ended up being the best sign we've made today, if indeed all three of those go through. So um yeah, let's see how it transpires. I'm just a little bit worried that a little bit worried that we've left ourselves short, yeah. Yeah, well I mean there's there's loads of, there's loads to talk about tonight, plenty of time to talk about it. I mean yeah, you're talking about how short we're going to be. Yeah, I don't think anyone's sitting there really expecting um, expecting any fantastic signings through the door. I think a lot of fans are probably sitting there expecting very little. Um, it's safe to say that it's been a very dull, dull, dull fucking transfer window so far. Um, I don't, we were told there'd be no money. You know, we were told that there'd be very little to work with. Uh, I would hope that. I mean, does anyone remember the fifteen million budget that was banded around? I'm I, sure I, that was. It. I don't think it's it's coming anytime no, soon. No, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Exactly. It's like that was when you compare that to how much money is being spent around us today. I mean, obviously, you can't avoid it most days, but no chance of avoiding it today. It's fairly, it's fairly easy to get disenchanted, to get disappointed, but especially when you're talking about how we sort of. We braced ourselves. I remember bracing myself for a a, a, a really small, uh, well, a really, yeah, really small number of transfers and very few interesting things going on during this window. Um, but I didn't think it would be this small. You know what I mean? Uh, having said that, I suppose if by the end of the night we come out with two or three good players, were we really expecting any more than that? I'm not entirely sure. Copley, my friend. Striker. Oh, go on then, James. Tell me. Well, we're just we're yeah, expecting That's I mean, it's, I doesn't want to talk about it. It's all very well and good, like the, the bringing in a few players. I mean, the players linked like Callum McManaman looks. I think he's a he's a decent signing, but the fact that they're not signing a striker for me is just it's it's just unforgivable. We're going to be left with frigging James Vaughan, aren't we? What are we going to do? Like genuinely, how can you like rely on a striker that is just so inept in front of goal? Um, that's what massively concerns me. I mean, have we even been linked with anyone today? Genuine uh, question. As a striker, um, yeah, I'm just McCormack, not... isn't it? Really, is it McCormack? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was and, it. And, and Rhodes in the past couple of days, but I don't think we're going to get aid with them, are we? Well, that's it's a depressing. Everybody, that's something about the live version of this show is that I drink only gets edited out, but there's obviously no time for that, no opportunity. So you'll be listening to me <laughs> smoking throughout the entirety of this program. Um, yeah, so and swearing probably. Apparently, uh, the McCorm- uh, McManaman wants a permanent. Just someone, someone verified on Twitter there just confirmed. Yeah, he's a permanent deal. Like Matt Callum Wilson. McManaman. Yeah, Callum McManaman. Two, two years. Callum was like a hot prospect like five years ago. Like I know we're in this position now, but I don't know. It just he, he hasn't been linked with anybody else this transfer window, was he? And all of a sudden mm. he's coming to us on deadline day. Like, how good is he really? He's class, man. Aye. Oh, I hope so. He's got to be if he's done for I mean, I hope he's not another jobber, but Christ. Matt Wilson, from the West, he's the West Bromwich Albion reporter from the Express and Star. He said it's McManaman deal with Sunderland is a permanent one, a low fee. 
Well, that makes me feel loads better. Well, he's verified now. Right? No, we know who the. We all, we all we all know journalists know like loads of stuff anyway. So it's all good. Anything <laughs> I remember being really interested in McMahon a couple of years ago, before he made that move to West Brom, I think, um, because he, I remember watching him on the pitch and I remember thinking that he had like a touch of class about him. Now I, I, I've looked since, and there's been a couple of articles about why he didn't quite make the cut at West Brom, and one of the points raised by one of their local journalists was uh, that he was. Um, second choice to James McLean and I saw that and I thought well <laughs> if you second fiddle to that guy like how good can you really be because that man's a one-trick pony do you know what I mean there's not there's nothing special about James McLean I don't I don't say that uh from a bitter Sunderland fan point of view although he is in all likelihood a complete cunt but it's more about the fact that <laughs> no seriously it's more about the fact it's that a he's a horrendous human right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's mad when I when I think I think when we all figured James McLean out was when he was still playing for Sunderland and before there was any kind of controversy. Um, so yeah, it was he was very much a one trick pony then, and then obviously he left and he was a bit of an arsehole and blah 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 blah. But um, yeah, so to me, if if you're playing second fiddle under Tony Pulis as well, who isn't stupid uh, by any stretch of the imagination, if you're playing second fiddle to James McLean, then what are your assets? What do you actually bring to the pitch? I mean, I suppose the only logical thing is that he runs at defenders and he tries to get crosses in. I mean, it's what you'd expect from a winger, I suppose. They're basic remit. But I, I would have hoped for something more. I mean, if you'd said to me that James McLean was coming up and he wasn't a title arsehole, then I would be against it. Do you know what I mean? So to hear that we're getting somebody who hasn't been able to break past him is a bit... It's a bit... Nah, if we look at this concern, you know, like... We all see see that Simon Grayson's that man who he seems to like to rejuvenate, you know, players who've lost their way. So maybe he could do that with with McManaman. I mean, let's not forget he tried to break Massimo Hayada's Hayadara, that Newcastle player's leg, and we're all down with that. Yeah, everybody's that's class. We can all get on board with this. But he's you know if he once showed in the Premier League that you know like he could kick it with with. With you know a mid-table side, and he looked pretty, looked pretty decent. So you know, if Simon Grayson can you know get him fit because I think he's had a few injury tr- tr- troubles as well. If he can get him fit and get him firing. You know, he's 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 good. He's going to have more of an impact than Wabi Kasri. Let's be honest, he de- he definitely will. Yeah, well, that's possible. I suppose. I mean, the the other thing that stands out is the injuries, though. I mean, not just him, but all the players that we're linked with. I think all have injury. I suppose that's the whole point, isn't it? When you're working on this, isn't a shoestring budget, is it? This is like a non-existent budget. This is like tying your shoes with string, like not actual shoestring, just like twine with nothing. It's he's got less than nothing to work with. As I say, fifteen million was the figure that was banded about at first, and nowhere, not even close to three million. And it doesn't look like we're going to end on even five million. The way things are going right now, loans and these very small fees. I think the now the highest we've seen bid by Sunderland is one million pounds. Now, I know we're in the championship, but Christ Almighty, that's that's not even championship level. That's below. You know what I mean? So I'm a bit a bit concerned about that, to be honest. Yeah, the 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 crack earlier today with Tommy Elphick, where uh, by all accounts we, we had a one million pound bid rejected from. I was. I was just I saw that and I was like, Christ, that 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 is how skint we are. We're 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 underselling ourselves even to players like that. And obviously Villa weren't interested in, in shifting him. Um, God God knows what it's costing us just to loan these couple of players, but I'm I'm gonna guess it's very minimal. Um, yeah. 
Williams just to me um, seems a bit of a strange deal. Like when you when you especially when you see what the Palace fans think of him. Apparently, he was absolutely outstanding for them in pre-season and was one of the players that were really hoping would kick on. Um, so, so to see that they're pretty happy to let him go um, does worry us slightly because of his injury record and things like that. But I mean, um, we do need number ten. I think I think Kazri leaving. If he even if he doesn't leave. I just think that number 10 is a bit of a priority position. I don't think that two up front works. Having a centre mid who can just sit in front of like Catmull and Dong and maybe play then a 4-3-3. Having somebody like Williams who can link up play effectively. Um, we don't have a centre mid like that, which is quite annoying actually when you look at the fact we already have five of them and none of them are capable of playing that role. Uh, maybe Rodwell to an extent, but he's made of fucking bandages and he's so... Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's not very good. Well, and that as well. I mean, I saw the under twenty threes highlights and the fact four first team players. I mean, two two <laughs> very Rodwell senior players in there. Is, is, is Rodwell like the ghost of a former player, like a pre-war player? He plays, he plays, like he plays number ten as well. That's that's the yeah, most worrying just, thing. It's just like he never seems to go anywhere. He doesn't get any blame he's from got, anyone got, at the club. He's he got just, no mobility. He can't pass. He can't shoot. He's watched him play for the under twenty threes the other day, and he's not what he, is. he looked completely out of his depth against the reserves. And those, and I can't remember who we were playing actually, but whoever it was, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he shouldn't be out of his depth in an under twenty threes game. Well, me, me and Gav saw him against Tottenham, um, and he looked completely out of his depth there. Like he, he did a couple of neat things and played a couple of good passes, but other than that, he was largely anonymous and. You want players like Rodwell when they cost so much to kind of dominate the game, and he was nowhere near doing anything like that, and it's it's concerning. And it just shows you how bad our recruitment's been over recent times. <laughs> he doesn't know he's a footballer. That's what he, I mean. He doesn't. He, he, he he's looks taking he a look to the head, and he, 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 he only, he only knows his name's Jack Rodwell because everyone keeps calling him that. He looks constantly scared, and you know, even physically, he should be dominating under twenty threes, and he didn't even he didn't even look strong. It was the same with Dilabodji. Neither of them looked like yeah. physically imposing. Let's talk about Dilabodji since you oh, brought thank, him up. Thank God he's gone. He's now off to is it Rennes? Is that right? Am I right? No, uh, Dijon, wasn't it? Dijon, like Dijon. mustard. Like oh, it's delicious. Mustard. Mustard. mustard to get him. Hey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now you know it's live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but seriously, apart from that being a delicious kind of mustard, there are many kinds of mustard, by the way. Maybe we'll revisit that later on in the pod. Let's talk about Jilabodji, though. Crap. I remember when he first arrived, he was, uh, what was it, eight million we paid for him? And apparently it wasn't, I, I was corrected, I thought it, was, it had been on Moy's scouring list for a while, but as it transpires, he'd been on Sunderland's scouring list. I don't know who's running scouting at Sunderland right now, and we'll again something else we'll talk about in the massive amounts of time that we've got. But Jilly Bodji arrived, and we were all a bit. First of all, we couldn't pronounce his name. After we figured out how to pronounce his name, we were trying to work out if he could play football or not. He had a couple of good games, I think maybe two or three in total, uh, none of which were start to finish, I don't believe. Um, and yeah, he's been absolutely awful ever since. He's been a, clearly this deal that's gone through now. Clearly, he was made aware of it, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, something like that, because his performance hasn't been... I mean, it was terrible beforehand, but he's, he clearly knows that he's not part of the setup. Uh, what do you make of Jilly Bodgy, Graham? Got anything good to say about him? No. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'll wait uh, for that one. No, I, I was on mute, and I was also thinking, no. Um, no, I, nah, he's crap. Uh, like, he's, he's actually... Like, you, 
you always feel like you're too harsh on certain players if they're just not good enough. But I, I'm not convinced he's a footballer. Like, like he's just so bad. Like, and he always plays with like this getting massive smile on his face, like a stupid kid. Like, oh bless him, he's made a mistake. Like, he's just he's crap. No, like I, the only I, I can't quite understand how he played for Chelsea and then why we paid eight million for him. And I think if there's one transfer that sums up how stupid, stupid Martin Bain is. And the whole era of Moyes and all that shite, it's him in it. Because eight million, we're probably going to be paying for him to like. I mean, I, I, I heard rumors that like last year, the players that we were bringing in, like Ndong and all that kind of stuff, were on like these mad kind of installments, like over like four or five years. Like, we're going to be paying for people like him and Barimi over the next four and five years. And we're not going to get, I, I mean, the reason he's gone out on loan is because we cannot get money from him. I mean, who would realistically buy him? I can't believe anyone took him on loan because he's, he's shit. He's absolutely crap. Like, he's never really had one good game or even a patch of a good game. Um, I can't believe we've got rid of him. I just hope that we're not paying any of his wages because uh, I imagine he's on a decent whack if he was at Chelsea. Aye. <laughs> Pretty much what everything we've just said there rings true. Uh, just aye. a very poor footballer. I mean, I've seen him showing up twice this season, one playing for the under-23s, one playing against Carlisle in the Cup, and that, that kind of shows you where he's at. I don't know whether it's a confidence issue, whether he's just, obviously, not, well, he has no faith in his ability because he hasn't played very much. I mean, I do, I do think that when he first came in, um, he didn't look too bad. <laughs> and then around the time we started winning games in the winter, he was he, he had a couple of half-decent decent displays, I'd say, but I just think for a centre-half... Uh, not to have any sort of awareness of what's going on around them or the ability to communicate or just the the common sense to know when to get rid of a ball is is galling. And it's even worse when you consider the teams that he's that he's actually played for. I mean, Chelsea Chelsea bought him deadline day. Um, for ne- and it, it kind of threw everybody because nobody knew who he was. But still, for Chelsea to have been looking at him does make you think he must they must have seen something in him. And then for him to come to us for eight million pounds, you have to think, well, has he got a really good agent or something? Because I just, I just don't get that transfer whatsoever. I don't get how he ended up here. By all accounts, it was arranged before he, uh, before David Moyes walked through the door. Well, you say um, that. Sorry, to cut you off. But talking about Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea, their academy is incredibly difficult, or rather, incredibly saturated. I would say oversaturated. So. I mean, wasn't Barini in Chelsea's academy as well? Uh, he's it? not. He's not a kid, though, Demo. You know what I mean? Well, when, when was he signed yeah. for? Them? What was that? Sorry. How old was he when he was signed for them? Well, he's what's he twenty eight, twenty nine now? So yeah. maybe you maybe twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Then. You, Carry on. So you, you're, you're not on about a young player. You're on about somebody who played a lot of football in France before, before Chelsea. Yeah, before Chelsea signed him. So it, I mean, I, I remember we, we posted something about Gilabodji, um I think it was after the Carlisle game. And uh, it, our Twitter mentions just blew up with Chelsea fans who found it hilarious because he's like, do you know like what Milton Nunes is to us? That's what Gillibird Bodgy is to them. Like a total joke that they signed that nobody understood. Uh, that's Gillibodgy to Chelsea fans. Yet they managed to fleece us for six million more than they paid for him. Just beggars belief. And it. it goes yeah. it goes back to everything we've ever said about the state of this club and the way it's run and who sanctions these deals and who actually scouts these players. God knows. Um, I think when you when you consider that, I know we didn't pay eight million right out, but that's what we'll end up paying. Um, it, when you consider that we've paid eight million pounds for this player, and this summer we've spent what less than two million, 
I mean, that's that's four times what we've spent on a full squad overhaul this summer, and that was only last year. It was twelve months ago, and and we're, we are letting that lad leave on loan. Thank God he's gone. But I mean, the, just the some of the some of the outgoing business this summer, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Like letting players leave on loan, Kazri, for instance, going to Rennes. If that goes through tonight, I'll buy a boy. It's just been confirmed. Yeah, well, there we go. There's, so there's a there's a player left on loan there who we paid £9 million pounds for. Um, this time last year was the best thing since sliced bread and we're letting him leave on loan now. This is the player on his prime age-wise. Um, mm. and, and then you look at you look at the fact that Renz, Renz have uh, just signed Diafra Sacco, I think, or they were meant to be signed Diafra Sacco for, for a big fee. And I look at that and I think, I know West Ham are in the Premier League and I know we're in the Championship, but how can we not get fees for these players? It just doesn't, it, it boggles my mind. Jeremy and Lenz goes to, goes to Turkey is one of the most heralded players to play in that league to the point where their champions have bought, well, took them from us this year and we haven't received any money other than the loan fee for a player who's blown people away in that country and we we couldn't negotiate a full, a full transfer for him. It just, to me, it just smacks of we've just, really, we just want to get these people out the door as quick as we can to save on wages, to save on just the hassle of them being here. Um, and it, it's kind of at a stage now where you, you look at it and you think, you look at what other teams are getting for players like Sonny Aluko. All right, he was Fulham's captain, but he's a very average player. Sport to a Redden fan site today who they're kind of perplexed as to why they're signing him. Seven and a half million pounds for Sonny Aluko. Player was released from Hull, by the way, a year ago. Yet we we can't even get that for four players Fabio Barini, Lenz, Gillabodji, and, and Kazri. We haven't even amounted that in four players. That. To me, it, it just really boggles my mind. It does me head in, actually. Lens, Lens is a Dutch international as well. Yeah. He's a Dutch international and we can't even command a fee from him. And the thing is with Kazri <laughs> as well, is that it's been reported that we won't be paying all of his wages. Uh, the, sorry, that, that his new club won't be paying all of his wages. We'll still be paying a part of his wages. They'll be paying most of it, but we'll still be footing a little bit of the bill for him. So even if we replace Kazri, if you look at, you know the 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 combined the combined deal will still be playing more for an inferior player when Kazri's gone anyway. So it just what what is the point of loaning these players out? I I, I really don't get it. There's something seriously wrong at the club, and I'm not sure they know what they're doing really half the time. How can you? Like I mean, it, honestly, I, I just to pretty much just repeat what Gav said. Like it, it it boggles my mind how you can't bring in at least some five or ten million for those three players. You know, and it's just Wabi Kasri. If you look at um, Newcastle, they sold what Grand Handley for three and a half million. How is Grand Handley worth three and a half million, and we can't get anything for um, for Wabi Kasri? It's absolutely mental. Like, I, I, there must be someone. They're just completely inept on that board. They really are. They cannot negotiate the way out of a po- out, out the way out of a paper bag. Absolutely rank. <laughs> Lads, can I just jump in? We've we've <laughs> we've had a comment on Facebook from a guy. Uh, commenting on the stream, just Cockneys and a Geordie talking complete not a shite waste of time. I'm from Henley, I'm, uh, like I don't know about the rest of his life. I'm from Durham. I'm from Sunningdale. Well, I'm originally from Ascot. It's, it's nice guess. when it's nice when criticism is nice and constructive and. <laughs> <laughs> Keep well, the comments lovely. coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy to see you too, mate. Anyway, let's carry on. Where were we? Kazri. Oh my days. Yes. Gone. Oh, I don't know if I'm glad. I mean, I am glad. I'm glad to see the back of a player that doesn't work. I'm glad of all that. But like you were just alluding to, it's all a bit 
it, it's rotten that something that that we have a player that clearly has so much talent. And it's one of those things, isn't it? It seems like it, it's one of those arguments for Allardyce as the manager. It seems like he just had the he had those contacts, didn't he? He had the right people to talk to, and he obviously had a way with talking to the players that he had because we had such an interesting time. Let's say a fantastic time, really, under him <laughs> a very short period of time. Man. But yeah, it was. Um, no, it's it's a shame. It's a shame that Kasri now is such a pale reflection of what he was then, because we all saw some fantastic goals, some fantastic passes, crosses, and that, and some skills. It was really good. It, it brings excitement. You don't often get that watching Sunderland. You don't often get tricky players. And then it's easy to see that. I mean, a lot of teams, a lot of fans of other teams would say, "Oh well, he's nothing special." I suppose that's that's an indictment of how little we see that sort of those attributes and those skills, that ability at the yeah, at the club. I mean, not in quite a quite a while, to be honest. And we never really have an abundance, do we? We always have like one one or two maybe, and one of them's normally injured and then gets passed off to another one. But it is a shame. It's a shame to see him to see him go for nothing and especially this idea what was it, that we're paying some of his wages as well while he's there. Like how many how much of his wages that doesn't make any sense, does it? He would have taken like a 50% wage cut. And then if we can afford to pay another, so essentially 25% of what he was on last year, if it is a 50% deal with uh, Renz, then could we afford to like keep him? Do you know what I mean? Because if we skin and you're telling me that we, we have to sell or rather we have to loan out Casary to free up wage funds, but we all know that everyone took a 40% wage cut, including Casary. I'm not sure what that would take him down to, but it must be what close to twenty odd, if that twenty and like small twenties, twenty two thousand, something like that maybe. And then we're going to pay fifty percent of it again. We're only saving like ten thousand, twelve thousand. Why are we that skinned that twelve thousand is going to add to a budget that's already clearly like shattered? There is no budget, is there? It's quite pathetic. So I don't get it personally. I'm, I'm not. A, I don't understand the need, but like most of you, like James in particular, like, yeah, I don't understand why we would get rid of him for that price. I'm, I don't understand why Grayson, who seems to be a man who can man-manage, who seems to be able to put his arm around their shoulders and convince them to do, well, to just do their job, really, and play well. I'm a bit concerned that he couldn't coax that out of Kasri. I don't know. That, that tells me that Kasri's not just, not just unhappy. It tells me that he's upset with the club. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's what concerns me. Why would he be upset? He's he shit all... as well. Yeah, he could be, could be. But he was upset, and if he's upset, why was he upset with Moyes? Do you know what I mean? It's all, it's all just weird. It's like, why, why was it great under Allardyce, but then it was crap under Moyes and it was crap under Grayson? And I don't know. It's just interesting. It's, but yeah, what about you, Graham? What do you make of it? I mean, uh, with the, the cost cutting thing, it's funny. Someone was just put on the the live stream there about Bain and they're saying that he was brought into Rangers to to cost cut. And now they effectively, technically, sorry, Rangers fans, but seek, uh, cease to exist. Um, why did we really employ him based on like mm. his, his previous, uh, like his previous acumen, if you prefer? I mean, that I, I'm not an expert on Rangers, despite where I live, but like I remember, there's no one up here that thinks very much of Martin Bain. I remember when he got the job, and I was like, oh, he's saying the right things, and like a load of my Rangers mates were like, just wait, like just wait and see what he does. He's like, it's an absolute fucking nightmare. And like, I really, really want to like the bloke because I want to will something on to do well and think we've got the right people in charge. But like Gav says, how the fuck is all these players like Kazri, who was nine million like a season and a half ago, uh, 
and like Dilabodji, eight million a season ago, and I know they've both had pretty poor seasons, but to the point where we kind of actually even get like a little bit of money for them, and I cannot imagine they're asking for very much. I mean, that's another thing. It's not like we're kind of like digging our like heels in and saying, no, no, we want like seven, eight million. That's it. Like, what was it? Lens was apparently available for about four. I don't know. Was it four? Or, yeah, something like that. It, it, I mean, it was rumoured. You never know, but like stuff like that, like. It's not exactly like we're asking for like a big fee, especially in today's market. I mean, Lens in today's market must be worth at least 10. You probably factor into his age, maybe bring it down to about seven. But you had like teams from Turkey literally like begging to have him, fighting over him. I mean, do you remember all like the tweets that we used to get from like Turkish fans and that? Mm, yeah. Like as soon as like, he scored a goal. And it's like, if their fans want him that bad, like... Could we they not were just... passionate, though. I'll give them that. They were very angry, weren't yeah. they? They were very agitated. Give us lens. Give us lens. There were kinds of awesome insults being slung around. I haven't got any to hand now, but obviously with the English of it all and the poor translation, some of it was and, fantastic. And yet we all of that, like, all of that of how much they wanted him and we sent him out on loan. Mm. Like, well, see, we got people, we got some people coming on YouTube, um, a lot. Of, I mean, the general consensus is that it's they're all a bunch of wankers, really. Bain, short, and no one can get past it. No one. This is the trouble, isn't it, with our owner now? It's regardless of how many platitudes come out, um, it gets to write his apologies for him or or whatever. Do you know? What I mean? Or just just the crap, basically. The you know what I mean? I, I'm sick of hearing about it. But it's interesting that in spite of all the money he's pumped into the club, and he has pumped in money to the club without a doubt um, over the years, it's still ended with this sort of enmity. And regardless of how this all pans out, I mean, I don't think we're under any illusions as fans as to whether or not he's going to keep the club or not. He's obviously going to sell it, but it's interesting. You get that that sort of um, double standards without... You feel like your your intelligence is insulted when you get that. What was it he said, that statement... Um, I've always provided for Sunderland. I've always like basically had Sunderland's best interests at heart and I'll continue to support the club. And this was off the back of like trying to sell it. It's like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine like breaking up with your girlfriend or whatever, or your boyfriend saying like, like, oh yeah, I'm going to leave you. I'm, I'm done with this. This is like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm looking for options. I'm dating. I'm back in the game. And then you get knocked back or you decide that this person isn't good enough for you and you come crawling back and you're like, well, you don't even have to come crawling back, do you? You just come waltzing back into your house, sit down and be like, you know what, I've always supported you. I've always loved you. So I'm going to stay with you forever now. And it's like, it, it's not really happening, is it? It's it's the most ridiculous thing you could hear. So obviously no what's, the, what's the blame the most, Damo? What, what is, what is, is it, because as you said, he has put money in. Like no one here can say that, Ellis, and especially in the in the start of his tenure, like he did put money in, and he he did seem to care, but it's so similar to what happened with Randy Lerner at Villa, isn't it? Where mm. it started out oh so positive, started out with this this grand master plan to turn a, an underachieving Premier League side into one of the big boys, and I think he's just got bored. It's just come to that, and he's thrown good money after bad to try and protect his investment. Uh, I don't know. He's got bored. Do you think? Do you think it's that he's got bored? I think. Uh, let's let's not. I don't know. Let's try and just make it. Let's try and rationalise it in a, in a business way. Not. I mean, I'm a layman without a doubt. I think we all are here. But try and rationalise it in the sense of well, it's it's an asset. And I mean, remember what Ellis Short does as well. That's how he made his money. He um he works with distressed assets. He takes organisation. He takes property or whatever. He takes things that are run down. 
and he turns them around and sells them for a profit. Essentially, that's his that's his mo. That's how he made his most the most of his money. Um, and obviously, you've got Sunderland, who was sold to him, as in the idea of Sunderland was sold to him as uh, you know the old the old cliches, a sleeping giant, and oh, it's got great facilities, and the fan base is brilliant, and you know what I mean. You can do big things with this. No doubt, the same sort of things that he's now saying to potential investors, potential buyers. Um, or he's hiring someone to do that for him. And with that in mind, how can we really, how can we really blame him when it gets to this stage? When we've been in, as we say, he's, he's sunk in money every like twenty, thirty million, pretty much every year for what four or five years. It's it's a lot of money. Um, obviously, we're in a lot of debt because of some of the ridiculous dealings that have been done. But it's one of those things. I don't think he treated it as a toy. Perhaps he was careless with his money at first, but there's no doubt in my mind that he went into it as this is a business decision. Really? Um, yeah, I, th- I think he did. I think he went into it as a business decision. I don't think it was like a toy. <laughs> I don't think he's got enough money to, to own a football club and mess around with it like this. I mean, he clearly has because <laughs> he's doing it. But, but how, the way, how, stupid, he's acting how stupid could he be, though? Because he didn't surround himself with people who know football. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not denying that. I'm not defending him in any way. I'm just saying that I don't think it was a toy. I think this was a. I think this is a failed business venture for him. I don't think it's like a. Oh, I'm bored of this now. I'll put it down. I think it's more like a. Cut oh, your losses. I, 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 it's more like going to a casino. Do you know what I mean? And losing a bit too much, losing a bit more than you're actually comfortable with, because you've been there all night and you probably had a bit too much to drink. And that's what it strikes me as. Like, oh, actually, this isn't good. I'm checking my bank balance now. Yeah, it's disposable income, but still. Do I really want to spend it? You know, yeah, exactly. Is oh, it, damn it. I was going to buy it. Interesting. <laughs> like, looking at the live chat of the people who are, who are who are watching, there's a bloke called Mark Pennington's made a, a great point. His short investment isn't the problem. It's his choice of personnel that's been the biggest issue. And it, it is, he's bang on, actually, because it is, it's, it's maybe he's, He's thought it was easier than it is, and his his lack of surrounding himself with people who actually know the game that's his that's been his biggest mistake, and the fact that like every decision that he's made has been pretty much wrong, you know, like from a management level, even even from a chief executive level, the the, the Martin Bain thing is just ridiculous. I mean, this is a man that last February, whilst survival in the Premier League was still very much a possibility, Bain announced redundancies among staff at the club in order to cut costs. And, you know, <clears throat> the, the staff were generously offered the option to take voluntary redundancies via email, which wasn't a very astute move. And it just kind of fosters a, fosters a bad mentality and a, a defeatist mentality around the club. And this came in the same week as well that Ben sent Sunderland's players on an all-expenses paid trip to New York, and we didn't win a game since then. I said this on the podcast last week. And this undoubtedly cost the club in financial peril a fair whack while doing absolutely nothing to help the team on the field, it's just it's it's beyond belief. Like what what has he paid for? And his remit is to cut costs and to and to 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 get rid of you know ground level Sunderland stuff while he's on undeservedly. I would say, and many would say, you know, thousands of pounds. And this is a man that, as Graham said earlier, didn't do too well at Rangers yet still managed to sit on a fat paycheck. Um, and again. You know, is is football and knowledge. This is Martin Bain was the one that decided to stick with Moyes mid-season when it was clear to all, I mean, clear to everybody really in the footballing world that Moyes was not going to make a success of Sunderland, and it was Martin Bain who stuck by him and told everybody, 
everything was going to be fine. And, you know, that didn't happen. If Bain had acted decisively and ditched Moyes when it was evident that it wasn't going to work, then the club might have had a, a chance at survival. We might have been able to have that bounce. Um, and, he, you know, Bain's managed to negotiate profits for Van Anholt and Pickford. But other than that, what's he actually done? He couldn't woo Derek McInnes. And he ended up with Simon Grayson, who I don't blame. But even in his recruitment of a new manager in the summer, it just seemed like Martin Bain was ringing his mates. It, it, it was just blatant cronyism. Who did, was Walter Smith he brought in to help? It was like, Walter Smith hasn't done anything for, for, for five or six years and football hasn't been active. But because he's Scottish like Martin Bain, we're going to bring him in and he's going to help us find a new manager who's going to be the Holy Grail. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. I think there you go. The key word there is uh, Holy Grail. I don't think that was ever the plan. I don't think they or Messiah. I suppose you go for. There's no. There was never a plan there to bring in the manager that was going to fix it all. I think this whole thing, going back to what we were saying about short when Moyes came around. I don't know if it was just bitterness. So we've covered all of this on previous pods, by the way. Don't forget you can go back and listen to all of those if you might. If you might, yeah, enjoy. It. Yeah, you will enjoy it. Actually, it's fantastic. It's like forty odd episodes now. In fact, this is our forty first episode. So, you know, big things on our birthday, on our big 4-1. But yeah, going back to Ellis Shaw, he was, um, the way he spoke about David Moyes when he came in, I don't know if it was just bitterness towards Advocat, uh, I think probably partially, but the what was it, I've been after it, it's the manager I've been after for, no, not just Advocat, but Allardyce, manager I've been after for five years. Or the, no, sorry, it was the last uh, five appointments, five previous appointments. And that's quite a big statement, you know what I mean? When you consider some of the managers that we've had, like, we've had some crap managers. There's no denying that. We've had some proper shit managers through the years, um, even in the last 10 years. But we've had some great managers as well. And some of the managers under Alice Short, you know, I mean, even talking about Dick Advocat, who a lot of people don't rate, he's a, he's a solid football. He's got a solid footballing mind. I don't think he was – I don't think he should have been here. I don't think he should have been made to stay here. This is what I mean. It's like when Advocat took the, the manager's role, it was a big sort of, it seemed like he was forced to do it, like he was doing a favour for a friend. I wonder if that, that's not what we're talking about. Like, it wasn't just Bain calling up whoever to come in and help or, yeah, like, or to hire a manager for him. It was before that, Ellis Short does that. He, should do, he works on sort of like an informal basis, I suppose. I suppose that's part and parcel of not understanding the region that you're going into, not understanding the community not understanding the, the spiritual side of the game, of the club. You need help. Do you know what I mean? I think it was very apparent to him very quickly that he was, uh, he was a bit out of his depth. And so he did a rational thing, which was to reach out and speak to people who knew what they were talking about, or at least told him that they knew what they were talking about. So it's understandable, is all I'm saying, that he surrounded himself with, um, not sycophants, but surrounded yes. himself with people who, who made out that, everything was going to be okay, that they, yes. could, they could help them. Yeah, yes, man. So there's people who were perhaps working for their own gain. Now, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not trying to defend him in any way, and I don't want to paint this this picture as, as like some defenseless, vulnerable person who's like been taken the piss out of, because at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. All of the mistakes of the last, well, what, nine nine years? No. How many years now under short? You think he'd, he'd hire... Um, hire people as inept as he's hired to run Sunland as to run his other businesses. You know, like this is the thing: is he? That's a good question. Do you think he's treated 
the no, running think, of Sunderland differently to the way he's treated. I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. Because what we'd have to do is we'd have to look at, I suppose, his previous business history. We'd have to look and see what sort of industries he was working in and what sort of market he failed in. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously there's an, I, I don't, I find it hard to believe that he'll have gone through his entire, although he's a rich man, he'll have gone throughout his entire career without suffering losses. In fact, I'm told it's impossible to become a rich man without losing a lot of money first. So I think if you were to go back, if we were to go back with a fine tooth comb and really examine everything that he's done, if, if we were of a mindset, we won't be doing that tonight, guys, don't worry. We, we won't be whipping out all of the, the previous financial records of Alice Short and examining them. Um, but yeah, if you were to do that, you'd probably find that he's made these mistakes before and he's probably bailed out. And don't forget, it's... There is. It does get to a certain point with money where you can literally buy more money. You know, you can when it gets to a certain stage. If your money is expendable enough, you can hire three, four, five, six people to do a job. And obviously, if the predecessor doesn't do the job, you can fire them and get another one, and get another one, and get another one. But eventually, after say, I think it's probably an indicator of how wealthy he is, how much risk he's willing to take. The fact that he stayed up with a losing product, which is what we were for such a long time. That's what I would say about it, personally. What about you guys? What do you make of it? I've just seen something quite funny that made us laugh, totally out of topic. But there's a bloke called Ross Collier. He said, I would debt 72% of our turnover. Apparently, it's more than Serbia, Egypt, and Moldova. How does he know the finances of Moldova? I'm just thinking, fucking hell. Like, like, I'm not like, I'm just impressed. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I guess if we like... If we look at who's um, who's signed today and everything, I mean, you've got obviously McManaman signing on a permanent, and I don't really know much about. Um, is it uh, is it Mark Wilson? Yeah, from Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not too sure. I know he can play like maybe centre half or fullback, um, but he's he's never played in the Premier League for Bournemouth, you know, since like they've been promoted. So, I mean, I, I don't know absolutely anything about him. Um, but I guess it shows where we, where we are as a club, doesn't it? You know, if we're kind of scraping around the barrel, looking at players that can't even get a game for Bournemouth in the Premier League. Mm, he was, he he was not long ago, though, didn't he? I'm well, looking on, just I'm looking on the. No, he was he was a regular at Stoke, and then Bournemouth signed him, and he hasn't kicked the ball for Bournemouth. They loaned him out January last year at West Brom. He sat on their bench till May and played like a couple of games towards the end of the season. Um, so he, he, I think he's actually played more international football than he has club football in the last year or so. Um, but he, Mark Wilson's versatile. He, he can play centre half, right back, and centre mid, which I'm guessing is a is a big factor in why we've signed him. Not only the fact that he's probably really cheap and didn't take a lot of convincing to come, considering he can't get a game anywhere else. Um, but I mean, you've got to you've got to kind of respect that versatility in our squad because we haven't got a lot of. Um, we haven't got a lot of players, so we we do need the occasional player and cover a couple of positions and can and can at least fill in, do a job. He's a do a job player, is what Mark Wilson is. Um, but he, he plays in national football, and you'd like to think he knows a fair few of the players, so he shouldn't take too long to 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 slot in and and help it help out. And obviously, as as we strive through the championship, but I'm I'm just hoping that I'm. I'm Clutch at straws, really. Let's be honest; it's a shit signing. But we we need we need bodies. We need bodies. Is a, is the top and bottom of it. And if if he comes in and he and we get something out of him this season, then fantastic. But uh, I mean, I think he was he's really just been signed to cover the fact that we've 
we've got rid of Jolabodji, and he, uh, I think if, if he's main position centre half, and we, we need cover there because we've let two centre half score to Dean Ledger and Jolabodji, then fair enough. Um, but uh, I, 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 I go back to what I said at the top. The striker was a priority, and the fact with Satyar at quarter ten, clearly not going to sign a striker, just riles me something rotten because I, I, I just can't believe we had all of our eggs in one basket with, with McCormack. Clearly, we thought it didn't matter how we were going to get him. Um, and it sounds like Bruce's doll were in and said, you're not, you're not having him. So I'm more annoyed at that fact that we then scrambled around trying to get Jordan Rhodes by all accounts and, and players like that. Just it smacks of bad scouting. It's what I said in the podcast the other day. We, we, we clearly don't have anything in place. Um, certainly not a well thought out scouting um, plan in place to, to account for issues like this. Like when, when we're number one target, we aren't able to get them. We don't have a number two or a number three. Clearly, or would be would be talking about who's coming through the door in the next hour. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just struggle a little bit with with the fact that we're so ill prepared all the time, and it's just another sudden transfer window where where you're feeling a little deflated. Even though Damien, you, you you said earlier actually you put it quite well. You, you listed all the players off that would sign, and you went that decent for the outlay was spent. And I, I would agree to an extent when you look at all the names mm. written down, and you, and you think like. James Vaughan, experienced striker who will work hard for you, grabbing scored goals at this level. McGeady, one of the best players last season at this level. Browning and Galloway, two promising young players from Everton. All right, one of them struggled a little bit since he came, but you know he can't really complain. Then we've replaced thirty-two million pounds worth of goalkeepers with Steele, who's looked a little shaky, and Router, who all right, he didn't play too great at Barnsley, but everyone seems pretty hot on him. I mean. Right through, you would think that those are solid championship signs that add to what we've already got. I just worry that this has been my worry for a number of weeks now. I think I honestly think we're we're, we're banking on what more coming back and being this superstar who's going to run the lines and, and score goals for us in the championship um, and pick off where he left off from because he's got such a brilliant attitude and his pace will add so much to our team that we're, we're literally banking on this kid coming back and hit the ground running. And you've got to think with a knee injury like he's had. It's it's almost impossible to expect anything of them, and uh, I just I just think that we the reason we haven't pushed so hard for a strike is because what more's coming back? He he's going to be back maybe what after the international break. Um, it's it's uh, I don't know. I think I think we're we're, we're leaving ourselves short on that one player. No, it, it yeah. totally isn't yeah. enough for me. For me, a, a big centre forward was the priority. Jordan Hugel, when he was linked for two million at the start of the window, just seemed like a sensible piece of business to me. Maybe we didn't have the money at the time, but now he's, you've seen the last couple of days, Preston turning down like eight and ten million for him. And I just wonder if he hadn't started the season so well, or maybe we'd signed him before the season started, maybe we would have got him. Uh, I don't know. Players like that, I think we could look back at maybe six months down the line go, we really should have went all out and signed him because we're really... It's painfully obvious we we don't have a target man. We don't have any... All right, Vaughan tries his best and Grabben tries his best, but they're not target men. They're not going to win aerial duels Mm -hmm. with big centre-halves. We are missing that element in our squad. Um, And really, we're banking on... We're banking on Watmore coming back and maybe building a team around him where he's able to get in behind and catch teams on the break. That worries me slightly. We mm. playing we playing him up top with with Vaughan. Do you think that's how we're playing him? And they're playing grabbing uh, wide. I, or? I think we play well. I think the signing of, of uh, Williams, the Williams, Johnny Williams. I think I think the signing of him maybe indicates that he's he were going for a four three three. Where we're, I think it's obvious Catmull and Dong is the, the choice pairing in the centre, but they don't have anybody in front of them 
linking the play. Williams is that type of player by all accounts. Gets on the ball and gets with his head up and tries to play forward passes. And if you think, well, we've signed him, he's not going to be coming from Palace to be a bench warmer. He's well thought of there and they want him to be playing football. You think that midfield three were maybe what more playing off the right again, like he did when he was playing quite well last season. Um, maybe grabbing down the middle and then off the left, McGeady. I think that's probably how I... Rory wrote a really good piece about this on the site this week about systems that Grayson could use going forward. And I, I agree with what he said about the 4-3-3. I just think with the players we've got, that's probably when Watmore's fit our best option, really, just to, a sitting two with a, with a number 10 playing in front of them. Watmore off the right, McGeady off the left and grabbing up front. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Oviedo can help up that left-hand side and, and maybe let Jones sit deeper like he did... Um, when Watmore was in the team, Jones was looking all right with Watmore in front of him because he didn't have to get forward. Um, I think that sort of system will probably suit this squad best. I just hope, I hope we're not banking too much on Watmore, like because he's going to take he's going to take a month or so, only to get back into it. Yeah, he is. Like he's, we don't want to put too much pressure on a lad who, let's be honest, was is extremely raw. I mean, he was extremely raw last season. We know when he went through that bit, a bit of a purple patch, but I mean, he's still. You know, he doesn't put his head up enough. His touch is still not quite there, um, and it's going to take him a couple of months actually to get to get properly up and running. Because if we rush him back and he loses that pace and he does his knee again, then we're buggered because there's so little options. I mean, other than other than say the three wide players we have now in McGeady, McManaman, and and what more, um, you've only really got someone like maybe Lyndon Gooch who could fill in there. Um, and he, I know Damo loves him, like, but I, I mean, I'm not overly convinced with him. Yeah. I think he puts in all the effort you'd want, but has he got enough quality? I mean, he's not that young. I'm, I'd be, I'd be surprised if he ends up turning to be turning out to be a, like a really good footballer. What well, Gooch? I mean, to be honest yeah. with you, he, he's, as you say, I, I do. Have, I've got a lot of feelings for the Gooch man. I like that kid. <laughs> I, I really do. He's. You know what endeared him to me as well? It wasn't so much... I mean, he, he's industrious, which is something I really admire, and I think it's something that we should all... Well, I think it's something we do like in, in some players, something you need, really, a, a proper work ethic. And it is it is aggression that I like. Well, not so much his aggression, because aggression... I mean, John Joe Shelby's aggressive, but he's a fucking wanker. You know, it's nothing. It's not, not like that. It's like... I'll, he doesn't take shit, and he, he doesn't come across as a... Uh, a younger lad when he's on the pitch when he started coming on for us um, towards the latter end of last season he was put up against some really like fierce players and proper men's men you know and he, he stood his ground and I like that about him And but at the same time he's all happy and he's smiley and he's he seems to be quite a, an emotionally attached guy It's like, he seems like a, a nice lad as well as being a um, like clearly a workhorse on the pitch and clearly having no fear. And that's just a great attitude. That's what we want. Same with Watmore. Do you know, when he's got a, a great attitude to him, he's got this, he's, he's got a ready smile. And at the same time, he puts bags of effort in. It's, it's really, it's infectious. And it's something that you want to see, isn't it? It's definitely something you want to see in your reserve team. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's, 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 I worry about his inconsistency because, he, as you, you are right, when he came in, he did have an impact and he, and he is the kind of player that he'll not go hiding. But he, he seems to have these have these games where, you know, he, he gives his all and he gets stuck in, but he, it, it, it very rarely turns out to 
have any end product. That's my concern. Like, I mean, we it's all very well and good to have all the all the running in the world, but if we want the lad to play higher up the park, which we do, you know, we want to play him out wide or potentially as a number ten. I'm still not actually sure what his best position is. You know, is is he is he best played more centrally? I mean. I don't know. I mean, uh, it, that could also be. It doesn't have to be an indictment on him. I mean, he seems quite comfortable just in and around the centre, and that—that's something that we lack as well. We don't. We're not very strong in that regard. We're not very strong in central midfield players pushing forward. Um, something we need, I think, and uh, something that would suit the the tactic that it seems Grayson's going with as well. The like push up on the wings and cross in. Obviously, we're missing a target man, so. The more the midfield can support that role, the better. I think, I think he suits us. I think Gooch really suits. And there's something else interesting. Actually, talking about Gooch, there's um, you notice when Gooch and Honeyman are on the pitch together, there's a, a different type of energy to them. When they're on individually, you don't really see it so much. But when they're on together, when one of them gets brought on, it they sort of link up naturally, and it's. Well, it's fantastic. It's obviously something that's been drilled into them. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, what was it? Stockdale? Robbie Stockdale has really been leading them for the last year or so. Year, two years, even. I'm not sure. The kids yeah, have got great been... attitudes. The, 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 one, the one thing that, that, that's kind of carried through ever since Kevin Ball was involved, really, is that we, we seem to produce absolutely brilliant people. Um, you, you look at like how professional Jordan Henderson is, captain of Liverpool. Um, Captain England, even you know what I mean. This is a lad who, by all accounts, could have been released when he was a little bit younger. Worked really hard and, and obviously got himself to a position where he he was able to make an impact at Sunderland. Um, and I just I just think you, you see it in all of them, regardless of ability. You see it in all of them. You see it in Lyndon Gooch. I was down. I was at Carlisle, um, and I've never seen I've never seen him put in that amount of effort in a game. I wrote before that game on the site that I thought the, the lads who got a chance um, that night really had to give their all in order to impress Grayson. And when I watched the game, I, I kept that in mind. I kept in mind the, the likes of Reuter, who was man the match, Gucci, who scored and assisted one. I just think, I think the attitudes on that night were outstanding, but in particular, Gucci just ran himself in the ground. He was, he was absolutely phenomenal. And then you look at, you look at Madja, there's another lad who, if he wasn't injured, he'd be playing now. He just started that first game, certainly against Derby because when you when you look at you know the fact that him and Vaughan both played pretty much the same amount of football in pre-season yet he got four goals and three starts he would have started that first game against Derby I've got no doubt about it and it's just a shame he got injured but I spoke to somebody who uh, I, know, I know a guy who works at the academy just talking about the kids and stuff and he was telling us about my journey apparently that he's a really well liked lad around the place all the staff get on with him he's really friendly dead talkative red, very respectful of mm. people he came here from Manchester City very young having been released you've got to think that takes a lot of bollocks to move you know hundreds of miles from where you know his home and, and uproot just to follow your dream he's come up here worked his socks off clearly and, and earned his spot and I just that that for me to go off on a tangent but for me that mm. if we are really as skint as 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 is apparent and, and we're in for this for the long haul effectively as being financially unstable and having to maybe be more self-sufficient from the academy it gives us heart that I know these players coming through have in in terms of ability and, and, and effort and, and application that they've got an abundance they're just the nice people and, and that for me comes from 
the the steps put in place by Kevin Ball when he brought through that really successful youth team with Henderson and Waghorn and Jamie Chandler and Colback and you know that team from that youth cup final was littered with lads who ended up having careers in the football league and it's in no part down to, to Kevin Ball's influence mm. around the club and you know you're seeing it now that the, these are lads who've that that sort of structure put in place when Bawley was more involved the likes of Le- you, you've just got to you've got to admire that and you've got to admire the fact that they know that this is their chance to make that son and there's lads like Michael Ledger there went out on loan to Hartlepool is you know really earning he's trying to earn his spot here because he was he was sent out on loan to, Nor- uh, to a Norwegian team given a contract extension um, out at Hartlepool now who are struggling like mad and I mean that's that's the perfect time to be going to a club like that especially although it's a conference and it's a little bit lower than the level I thought you might end up at Ledger to go to Hartlepool and you know mm. into a team who are struggling like mad defensively yeah. struggling like mad for him to go there all he's got to do is play well a few times and he'll breeze it he'll breeze it he'll find his place in the team and he's there for the season and I just think yeah. you know if you can prove yourself elsewhere from this club, you're set up to make it. Jordan Pickford goes out and plays over 100 games professionally before he makes a debut here. Jordan Henson goes to Coventry and, and you know, really earns his place. Colback even went out went out on loan to a number of clubs and came back and was a, was a first-team player. And I just think that that's the next step with a lot of these players. Although Gooch and Honeyman are in the first team, I wouldn't have been adverse to maybe Lyndon Goose going out on loan, if I'm honest. I think the only reason he still is because of the lack of money. I think I think he he would have been ideal going to a League One club, somewhere where he could have really nailed down, you know, his, his future plan. Go there and earn his place. Like he, when he went to Doncaster, he did really well. But I mean, mm. a, a long spell somewhere to make sure that next season these lads are ready. Because I'm a little bit worried at the minute that maybe Honeyman and Gooch aren't perfectly ready, which is what we really need them to be because we're squad so small. Um but I don't know about the rest of you lads. I'm just I'm I'm rambling on here about the kids, but I just think I just think no, going no, forward no. I just think I think going forward I just think it's such an important part of the club. We need to be at least if if, if we asking um so one of our remits going forward every season we have to bring through two kids from the academy. If that's the case, then uh, I mean look at the money we've just made on a goalkeeper for God's sake. It just shows you if you give these lads a chance and you and the developed property will be fine. Um, uh, I don't know about the rest of your leg. I don't know if anyone else has got any other thoughts on that. Off topic, just well, kind of on topic, talking about our finances and that. Uh, apparently, Mark Wilson's a free transfer. Hmm. Ah. Just actually good business that if it's free. I think. I think it's yeah. <laughs> I wonder when that came up though. I I can't even remember us talking about Wilson until today. No, so was rubbing his hands at a free transfer, right? Absolutely. No, we, we were discussing. Uh, I think I think we were linked to him at the start, but I think everyone expected him to go to West Brom. So I don't think we took it that seriously. But there was there was a link earlier on, but it was like one of those like one or two day things when that came of it. But I, I think he's a good signing, and on a free transfer, you can't really. I mean, Dillabodge out, you're saving on his wages, and you get Mark Wilson in, who's an experienced Premiership, it'd be low Premiership. Uh, defender, I think it's good business. That like, mm, no, I think I think Wilson, Wilson, like I said earlier, a very versatile player. Um, he's better than Dillabodji. That's first. Well, yeah, that's who he's replacing. Any, he's got to be better than Dillabodji. Like I think you know he's he's worked at the Pulis before. He's been at Stoke. He's been in the Premier League. As you say, he's versatile. He's got experience on international, international as well. On paper, he should be a good signing, but. You just never know when it comes to something here. It's hard to predict. 
how how can we get some of this money though, lads? That you look, I mean, I've got Sky Sports News on here in the background, and you look at some of the money getting chucked around, and you just think, where the fuck did it all go wrong? What, how are we not involved in any <laughs> of this money? Like, it's absolutely mental. I mean, it is sicker than like it is like the money two million for Lamar. Yeah like 92 million pounds for a player who's had one good season and we can't even get a fee for jeremy lens <laughs> no it's absolutely mental and like you've got 200 million for neymar and you've got what is it 90 70 million was mooted for sanchez earlier today like i, I just kind of believe that we've gone so wrong um that we're, they're not involved at all um i mean it's, it's it's slightly heartwarming to see that the mags are just as fucked like i mean they're they must be absolutely fuming. Like they were, they they were dire need of transfers. Like I when, think, weren't they touting touting callback to us earlier in the day? Though, oh, I, I, my heart dropped. No, my, my stomach sunk. That would have been the ultimate insult if he'd have rocked up with a scarf above his head at the academy. Like <laughs> that would have that would have been a real kick in the teeth. That like. It's just been a hashtag Sunderland that. It'd be the just, mo- it would be the most Sunderland thing ever if Jack Colback made his glorious return to Sunderland. He would what if we did one of those mad kind of Twitter videos to announce him as well? Like, <laughs> where like he was like, I, I don't know, I can't remember. One, one, one of those fo- football manager themed videos where you get Aye, a and he just shot of his history. He just he rocks up and it's like, ooh, like it's, who is it going to be? And it's like, you it's, start it's discovering. It's the modern day Lee Clark. It's fucking Colback. Oh no. Um, I, that would have been shite. But we need a left back, so <laughs> true. No, that's memories of Palace away. That it's horrible. Nah, like it just would have been. It would. Do you not reckon it would have been fun seeing how we how we actually approach? Like I don't don't for one minute one call back back. Do you not think it would have been fun just seeing how we would have approached it? Especially it the media. Been, it would have been fun seeing how the fucking fans approached it. Christ, like how? <laughs> I mean, how does Martin Bain sell that uh. to the fans? How does Simon Grayson sell that to the fans? Oh, he's a good lad. He might have done some things in the past, but uh, he's here to play football now. I agree. I don't even. I don't even understand them offering him to Borough though. Like, where where would he even fit in their team? He wouldn't get in the side, would he? I mean, he's not that good. Let's face it. Like when he left us, it was if he wasn't if he hadn't come up through come up through the youth academy and it hadn't have been Newcastle. I don't think people would have been too bored. Like he's, he scored on the last day or one of the last games of the season against West Brom in that run, but it was like a deflected, stupid goal, wasn't it? Like he was never like massively great shakes, was wasn't he? I remember him scoring the equaliser at Cardiff, um, away. Yeah. But even even that was like a deflected shot, wasn't it? I just I callback for me was a he was a crab. That's all he was. Really. A jobber, like he was uh, a jobber. He was he, he suited Poyer's team, um, I suppose in a way because he he liked to hold the ball and go sideways, but we we were. I don't know that that whole situation just really riled me up to the point where I'm still bitter about it now. I'm not. I'm not. I, I think the bitterness of Lee Clark went over the years, but like Colback, I just can't get over what he did to us. Like I fucking hate Colback. He played us wrong. He, he played us off the mags, though. He played us off the mags, and then when he realised that West Ham wanted him, West Ham tried to buy him out the contract he'd signed with with Newcastle, if you remember, before the season started, and. Then he had to go back with his tail between his legs there. And then he came out afterwards saying how it was a boyhood dream to go to Newcastle and how it was the best thing, best move for his career and that he didn't want to be fighting relegation anymore. And yeah, well, look what happened to him. But he, now, he, I, like when I, read, when I read that story about him not getting a squad number and, or not being part of the 25-man squad, sorry, I mean, I was over the moon when I read that. Like, just, calm, calm is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's just, do you not know, think it's amazing that at a time when Newcastle are just as 
pretty much as skint as us and can't really afford to increase their squad by any significant amount that callbacks like being cast aside I mean people you know like the the mags wax lyrical about Rafa the gaffer and you know how good he is I don't really rate him that highly but he must be a decent judge of a player given his like his limited success around Europe over the years and he de- deems like. he, he deems callback completely surplus to requirements <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't that's a damning well, element of callback well, while we're on about Newcastle, like I just, this this myth about Rafa Benitez, I, I, was anybody reading the crap on the uh-huh. other day about? Uh, I think it was Mark Douglas yes, from the Chronicle talking about Matt. This he was at some my my best friend elite coaches <laughs> elite coaches event, and Rafa was invited. And it was like they're making a big deal out. Like, oh, this is how great he is. Look at him; he's at this elite coaches course. Oh, whatever, man. So what? At the end of the day. It's going tits up for them, and the, I can't wait till it actually goes properly tits up and he leaves. It's I just going to. I don't care what anybody says. That Jocelyn, he might have scored the other day, but he is not enough to keep them in the Premier League. Fuck the mags. No, no ways. Yeah, Graham, Graham. Fuck the mags. I don't care. I don't care. Fuck them. Fuck them. Hate Exactly. Don't care. Exactly. In any way, shape, size, or form. <laughs> exactly. Fuck them, man. <laughs> Fuck them. Don't care that's who plays for them. All right, there, okay. there isn't enough, there lot, isn't enough mag hatred on this podcast. <laughs> Nowhere near thank, enough. No, I, 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 I thank Graham for bringing enough. that back. I just, I, I'm just, uh, sorry, I wanted to say it. I'm just reading. I'm just reading the Twitter timelines. Uh, McCormack's leads bound. Apparently. Oh, there oh, we go. So that's yeah, it's truly no striker. Do you imagine if he went there? What? How? Apparently, Bruce said that he didn't want to. Send to us or sending to us because we're a rival. Does he not consider Leeds a rival? And Andy hates us. Let's face it. I think that's that's, that's the other thing. Yeah. Mag as well. He doesn't like us. <laughs> it's not so much the he doesn't Grimm's like, like us. Have a few, isn't he? <laughs> 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 I've had two beers and all of a sudden I'm a. He's a, he's a subtle ultra human. I, uh, so, I mean, it, Steve Bruce was never going to do us any favours, was he? Never. I think he was never going to do Ellis Short any favours. I think that's the whole point. I don't think he gives a fuck about rival, as you say. Like, and he clearly doesn't rate McCormack enough to think that he's going to score against him, otherwise he wouldn't be loaning him out in the first place. So he doesn't rate him, clearly, but he just wants his wages off the books because he can't sell him. Um, yeah, I don't think he's scared of him. Do you not Sorry, lads. It, do you not know, reckon it's a weird right. situation with Villa, though? Like, that club is... They need to get promoted this season. Yeah. They need to. Like, I just find it strange that they wouldn't try and get him off the books, even, even to us. If that's the case, yeah. I mean we don't know the truth, but um, you look at you look at the fact they haven't really been able to spend any money because of the the the, the pretty much at the cusp of their limits when it comes to financial fair play, and wage wise they're, they're clearly aren't. That's why they've been able to bring in like people like John Terry. Um, I just find it mental that they wouldn't try and shift him at least maybe even to us when the, when the options there because he could still be there. We're, we're less than an hour from the window shutting. I mean, there's nothing to say that he's going anywhere, going to end up anywhere. And there's he must have been paid a fortune to go there last year. Like, what was he, Fulham's captain? Like, top funny scoring story. championship. Funny story about John Terry. Absolutely. Well, it might be funny. You can judge whether it's funny or not. I used to live in <laughs> Cobham, right next to the training ground. I lived there for about five, six years. And uh, I saw a lot of Chelsea players. Well, I saw a lot of players in general, to be honest. They all go there. Um but where I was living, it was above a shop and we had this private car park and it had a little chain across it. And we were the only residents above this shop. It was a big M and Co. You remember that? The clothes shop, M and Co. It's one of those. Um, and we were living in a flat above it. Uh, we were the only ones there. We were the only ones with a key apart from the owner of M and Co or the, the store manager. So when she went at about six, seven o'clock at night, that was it. We were the only one with a key. Um, anyway, 
I had a few drink. I can't remember what I was doing or why. I was definitely drinking. I remember that much. And come to about four or five o'clock in the morning anyway, after everything's been locked up and I'm by myself and I've had a fucking huge night out. I can hear, I'm outside having a smoke and I can hear this rattling of the chain downstairs. And I'm just like, and someone going like, fuck's sake, fuck's sake. So what's that? What's that going on downstairs? So pop down there and it's John Terry. And he's stuck in my car park. He's managed to lock himself in my car park. But the really interesting thing is that when the car park was locked, when the chain got locked originally, no one knew that he was in there. So he's left his fucking his Jeep or something like that, or his Range Rover in there. And yeah, he's come to the like I've come down. I'm like, what are you doing there? I didn't even really realise who it was. And he said in the most stupid, docile voice, just like, Oh sorry, mate, I didn't realise it was private. And he's pissed out of his head. You know what I mean? And he's trying to get in his car to fucking drive home. <laughs> and uh, he did. I didn't take the initiative. I should have seized the initiative and gone, right, i took taken some pictures and said, you know what, John, I'm going to send these to everybody and let them know that you're, you're drunk driving unless you give me 10 grand. I should have done that. But I didn't. I was just like, all right, no worries, John Terry. <laughs> Essentially, just opened the thing, let him out, and he drove out in his fucking Range Rover. Well, the listeners have learned something to do. True story. But yeah, carry on. What were you saying, Ev? Uh, I I wasn't even saying much. Nah, I'm just looking through the comments on um on the YouTube because that's actually blown up. There's like hundreds of people watching us. I can't believe this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's but there's the the people are uh, kicking off in the comments there. Um, just looking through. There's a guy called Chris Smith asking, "Would would you take Crouch? Lol. I'll remove the lol. But would you take Crouch from Snow?" I no. think I, I think anyone up front of Yeah, them. actually, I was going to say that I'd take any striker if we've been told we've not got anyone coming in. Then yeah, I'd take him in that regard. Not reckon, not, well, you, do you not reckon it's it's just scrambling around for names to see which target men are available? Like I, I actually probably would take Connor Wickham at this stage because yeah, that was, somebody that was in But yeah, uh, but can we yeah. afford his hair gel though? No, probably not anymore. Like, and he's muscle food. Quite expensive. Yeah. Oh, he's muscle. I want. I muscle food. That's it. Uh, <laughs> is, is, is there any? Is there any? Because like, I remember last year when, like, we were on about getting a striker and um, a chewer fell through and all that, and people were looking at like free transfers and like. I was just thinking before: is there anyone like that's on a free that we could realistically bring in? Mm, what striker wise? Uh, yeah, I. I Nah, you've got to think as well. Like at this stage, anybody who's fit and decent being picked up. Like, I just, I, I, that, that's like, uh, I don't, I don't think there's anybody really available who would one come, um, to be ready to play. Which remember when we signed the Nietzsche be right at the end of last year's summer transfer window, and I don't think he kicked the ball in November or something, did he? And then even then, he he was pretty much unfit for the rest of the season. Probably a not on effect through having a preseason, and the fact he was a massive crock. Uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently, diabetes is available on a free transfer. I might have pronounced that wrong. <laughs> but it, apparently... is, it is an interesting one. Someone's come up, uh, the Mackham land. You have one transfer left. Who do you buy? Any budget, but again, be realistic. Mess any up. any budget. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Is it any budget, nah. be realistic. <laughs> you have one transfer left. Who do you buy? Let's be, give it a realistic budget. We'd have what? Maximum we would be able to pull out is five million. Maybe five million quid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few people. I'm just reading the comments again here. Yeah, a few people are suggesting uh, Ricky Lambert's available for free. Target man. Interesting. Mm. But uh, in, ter- in terms of, in terms of transfers left, I would I would make well. We need a striker. Um, I would pay whatever Preston one for Hugel personally. Right. But I I think like like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think 
now with well he started the season well he's got like three four goals already so his price has skyrocketed already but I mean we were being quoted mm. we were being well the, the fee touted in the summer was two to three million pounds like can you imagine if we just bit with tongue and maybe paid four or five for him because we would have probably got him um, mm. I wouldn't have, there's another one Jordan Ramsey suggesting uh, Glenn Murray on loan from Brighton because he's not playing much he scored, scored for fun last season didn't he Someone's um, mentioned Dundoy. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it bad that Glenn Murray would excite me? Like that would really get. <laughs> no, well, no, no, that, that that would really like get that would really excite us. Like no, some people though they forget they forget like it's a good player. I not just that though. You look at the, the years we've been promoted. Um, last time we were in the championship, we had like David Connolly. We had before that players like Kevin Kyle, like Marcus Stewart. Yeah. A dependable championship striker is good regardless. Like Glenn Murray, you wouldn't take him in a Premier League team, but he's just scored twenty odd goals in the championship. Like someone like that has real value in that division. Um, I'm just looking at a couple. Of, someone suggested Aruna Kone. I think think Kone is probably. Uh, I think he's found a club. Any? I was reading he's went to a Turkish team. I think. I has. Um, Someone's mentioned I'm, fucking uh, David and Gog. Jesus Christ, that's like a still going. We, we, were linked, we were linked with David and Gog. When was Saul Henderson? He was supposed to be part of it. He was supposed to be the makeweight, like a part of the deal. And I said at the time, like, no way on earth is that is that a good signing for us? And he's done fuck all since. So if we sign him now, that, that might be me done. I think I might go down south and boil my head somewhere or something like that. <laughs> I don't think I can deal with David and Gog at the stadium alive. I'm getting a bit annoyed. You've had loads of people saying like stupid suggestions, which I like. And then someone's been dead, dead serious and gone Connor Wickham, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want a serious one. I want daft ones. On a, on um, a completely unrelated note, me mate Ben Gillespie's just given us a message, and he says, "Fuck the mags," which is which is lovely. Which is well, well, it's, good it's on accurate. that man. Good on that man. Pizarro on a free, Claudio Pizarro. I'd take him. He's got some. He's got like football and intelligence about him. He has. Isn't he about ninety though? Yeah, he bossed this league. He'd be like, I don't know. He'd be like an upgrade on Glen Murray, wouldn't he? Someone said Patrice and Bomber. It's actually Patrick, but um, Ooh. I would probably, Ooh. Say, I'd probably say no. They're not here for a fucking English lesson. <laughs> Maybe you're well, the last person you know, given uh, English lessons like. How are you? Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> actually, no, is it an English lesson? His name is Patrick and Bomber. I don't know. I'm just saying. Colton Cole, there's so one. Colton Cole, that's who we need to come. No, nah, nah, nah. No, I mean, being serious, though, how are we actually going to survive without a striker? I know it's been said, oh, we're waiting for what more. Obviously, that's not a valid strategy. Hopefully, so, Josh, hopefully Josh Magic. No, again, that's been mentioned as well. Again, he's, young, he's, he? not, he's, he's not good enough. I think Gav's mentioned on several occasions that he's just, he really isn't the finished article at all. He's not, well, he's, you can't expect that of an 18-year-old kid. Like, no, you, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying you've snagged them off. I'm just saying, but you'd, you'd agree that you can't bring him up to this stage right now. No, I hopefully he can, he can pitch in, but... <clears throat> He's yeah. not the answer, is he? Do you know it would be nice? It would be nice if we actually. I, th- I think. I think any team needs a focal point. Needs spine. The team has to be right. You need to have a centre forward. You know you can rely on. You need to have your two centre midfield players who you know you can rely on. And you need to have a centre half pound that you know you can rely on. Then everything else fits around it. Like when you look at it, you think although we haven't kept a clean sheet, if we, if we do see the rest of the evening out and keep Lam and Corny, um, then great him and Browning will do well till at least January um, then you look at the centre mid pair and Catmull and Ndong but I don't think you'll find a better pair of centre mids in this league certainly not in terms of pedigree and, and <clears throat> variability of what they're going to actually bring to your team and then 
you look up front, we're just we're toothless. Like grabbing, I, I do think will be a good signing, but I just think a, a statement signing up front would have made a hell of a difference. This team, like like when Fulham went down and they they stripped their team bare and filled it full of kids and stuff. The the, the same McCormack and McCormack was like the talisman. They gave him the captaincy and he scored for fun, even when they struggled that season and then he got relegated. Uh, you just think like, even though we've not got that much to spend, it should have been a priority. Signing a, a goal scorer, signing somebody who you know can get goals at this level, like grabbing may well turn out to be that player. I just feel, I feel a little bit icky about the fact that we don't have a striker. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I just think I just think I think the core of your team, if it's not correct and your you core your team's not solid, then you, nine times out of ten you're going to fail. We, we we really we need we need players we can depend upon in every pretty much all the way down the spine of our team. I think when we did well under Allardyce, the spine was perfect, and I think a lot of it was down to that. Like he totally understood like the spine of the team, the defense, like Kabul and and Kone, and I think everyone kind of. Looked at Kone because he was on that came in. That's when we got better. But like the spine Kabul. of the team was great. I miss Kabul. Uh, but um, like I think the spine. No, of the I team do. That's, was that's great. what I mentioned. It like who'd have thought that when Kabul left, that seemed that was like the beginning of the destabilization of whatever fragile squad we had in place. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. They've really we've really gone downhill since then. No, I, I think Kabul was because um, I was at I was at Bright, uh, not Brighton, sorry, uh, Bournemouth. Like when we got beat two now, and he was absolutely rotten, and he got sent off. So I always had like this kind of opinion of Kabul was crap, and then from like February onwards, he, he did really, really well. But I thought that was a lot to do with the partnership with Corny being good. But you look back, and it was realistically it was it was probably Kabul kind of ushering Corny through games. Uh, whether it's his attitude, I, I don't know. That's that's another point. How do we all feel about Corny staying? I didn't expect that. No, it's. I mean, Corny is he is he staying? I suppose there's still time to. Time to go. We haven't really there's, there's we've moved away. I think he's. Um, I think he's. I think he's staying. Like, do you not reckon? I'd be, that's, happy. I'd be happy. Yeah. Do you not reckon it's more to do with the fact that Palace went for other targets? Like, if Palace yeah. signed, if Palace signed Sacco, I think so. I think it's pretty much on. I think it's pretty much confirmed. Was yeah, because loan of thirty million they paid for him. A lot when it was twenty odd million quid. But it's clear that <sighs> it's clear that Coney was a Sacco alternative to them when he. But it's you've got to think in it. Like we probably don't hear the half of it. Like if 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 like a I don't know, say a team like Palace when they've got a lot of money, say they want a big athletic centre half, then Sacco's maybe the number one target, but they've probably got three or four that they've sounded out just in case, and that's probably more likely what happened with Coney. I think I think his reputation has been damaged big style um, by his own actions. Really, I mean, you've got to think if we are demanding top dollar for him, you've got to bear in mind like Everton offered us a lot of money. Um, you know, not that long ago for him. And you've got to think, if teams are approaching us and asking what we want, we're probably going to be asking for more than he's worth at this minute. And that's going to put people off immediately. And then you look on top of that, the fact he's been part of a centre-half pair and that hasn't kept a clean sheet this season. Um, we just got relegated bottom of the league and shipped goals for fun every week with him at the heart of the defence. Like, who's going to make him the number one target? He's he's not that no. impressive. You know what I mean? So I think I think for the no. fee that he'd probably come on and you, you look at how silly the money's been this season, like players like Nathan Ackley going for 20 million and 18 million for a, like a Spurs backup centre-half and Vimmer. You've just got to think, like we will have been asking for money like that for him. And uh, I don't think we'll have been too bothered about selling him because we know we couldn't replace him. Like, how do you replace Lamine Coney as, as, as 
frustrating as he can be, and you know he has obviously got flaws. How do you replace a player like that for the money we would be willing to spend? I don't think you can. Like Elphick for a million quid would be a backup centre half. He wouldn't be a corny alternative. I don't, have, I don't agree because I mean, think, think we've got we re-signed John O'Shea, right? We've got an abundance of centre backs actually at the moment. Like, well, we had Chilabodji until we let Chilabodji go on. But you, I disagree in the sense that I don't think um, I don't think. Kone would have commanded a massive fee, to be honest with you. I think when they said everyone's up for sale, do you think it would get to the point where they're just sitting there and saying, oh, well, yeah, you could take everyone, but Kone's got to go for 15 million or something like that? I don't, I don't think we would have asked for anywhere near that much. And I think there are plenty of clubs. Yeah, I think there are plenty of clubs that would pay, like, what, 8 million, which I think is a, a more reasonable asking price. And I think probably what we'd have gone for, I don't know what we'd have spent it on. Presumably, Short would have taken it straight to the bank and given it to his debtor. <laughs> I don't know. That seems to be the case. That's what we're told, anyway. I don't know, mate. I, I think, I think, I think when you look at the fees being thrown around um, for for players, there's there's maybe a reason we haven't sold in Dong or Kony because we've probably asked for a little bit too much. I do think that. I think we've realised we can't replace those players with what we would be able to outlay. Like, even if you got fifteen million for Lamine Kony, how much would be available to Grayson to replace him? You'd yeah, to, oh, I agree. You know, and they may they may be looking at it and going, well. Clubs are going. The 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 winter transfer window was a desperate market. It's when teams panic, like teams who are struggling in the Premier League who need defenders will pay more than what Coney's worth in January. I, I I think I think we've looked at that and went, why do we need to sell him now? We can't replace him. Hold him That's to his deal yeah. and keep him on the keep him on the books till January. January comes around when teams are more desperate and and Coney, Coney might be worth a little bit more money. Let's not forget that this this this. Uh, this ownership of the club that the, the people run the show at the minute are, are just stripping us bare and they're going to want as much as they can like what what's a couple of months it's it's September nearly now and we're we're around about January like wait till January and you might make considerable amount more on these players I'm I am that I know it's, it's jumping ahead a bit but I'm I'm more worried about what's going to happen in January because you've got to assume the budget's going to be slim then but we'll probably be we'll be more willing to, to let players go when we know how the season's going to pan out like if we're sitting mid-table and they're quite happy with the amount of central midfield as we've got and the club comes along for Ndong and offers a decent fee, we aren't going to stop at that. We're going to let them go. You're talking yeah. about money and stuff like that as well, um, like money coming in and stuff, and you're talking about January at the same time. If you rewind back, like I remember when we sold Van Anhalt for 14 and people thought, oh, there's going to be a bit of money there, but I think we only paid like what was it, seven for Oviedo and fucking Gibson? So then you've got like another seven million from that as well. Where's that money gone? Well, I mean, hang on, before I, I broach for you, before I answer that, this, there was a comment on the YouTube thing that made me uh, made me take a double glance. First of all, we've got whose idea was it to re sign O'Shea? Um, I think there are multiple reasons for that. But before that, why did we pay the Alvarez fee and not get the player? That was because he played a certain amount of games for us. And that was why we paid the Alvarez fee, wasn't it? It was a, it was a case of he, he played 20-odd games or 28 games. I can't even remember. That's just a number I'm pulling out of the hat for some reason. Um, he played a certain amount of games for us and it guaranteed a clause in his contract. That that the whole situation is just alien to me. I think it's probably far and more. Yeah, com- then, and, it's far more. Complex and then there was very. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably far more. Complex than, it, than what we. It, it was. It was ruled. That was the whole point. In the end, it was ruled by court. Or court. Yeah. Like I don't. To be honest, I don't even know what what came of that. 
Well, all, all, all the information. Well, it was that we owed them money, wasn't it? We owed, we owed them seven point five million euros in the end. It was all. It was all just stuff that we were reading in the Italian press. Nothing came out over here. It was very kept very tightly, you know. But by yeah. a lot of people seem to be attributing the fact we can't spend this summer to that because we've had to pay a lot of money out. Um, well, there was word that we hadn't even paid for Barini as of last transfer window. Yeah, well, they we see, paid we, for him and we saw. We saw well, him. we 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 talking about fees for players like oh, eighty million this player, but the the deals are far more structured than that. Like they pay so much up front, they pay this much in add-ons and yeah, things like that. You know what I mean? The, the the deals are so structured. I think that's actually how we back ourselves into a corner. And we are where we are. Like so, much, it's it's like playing paying for something on ticket. It? It's like oh yeah. Well, Here we go. Sorry, I've I've got a button. Yeah, it was because the Alvarez clause was because we stayed up. Yeah, sorry, that was all it. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but thanks, guys. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep correcting us. We need it. We need you. It's it's like paying for something on ticket. It? It's like it or like a payday loan. I think I, I saw a great analogy. It was like taking out a payday loan on a pack of crisps. That's that's how we've yeah. like that's how that's how a lot, a lot of our business has been structured. With son and it, we're we're talking about like players like Jillabodji, eight million quid. Well, we didn't even pay eight million quid from. Um, and Dong was announced as a club record free for thirteen million pound, but we paid a million pound up front. Like it, a lot of that was to make the look the club look like they were spending money to appease fan expectations. I think personally, mm. um, so we're looking at it now when we're at we're at a stage where we're probably still paying for players that left us ages ago, and it, it it's only worsened in my eyes when you're loaning players out who you paid a lot of money for. Like it would be nice. It would be in Kazri's instance if he does well for Rens, we might get a little bit of money from next year. Great, but like. Jillabodji's club that he just went to actually announced on their website that there's no agreed fee up front. So mm. they're under no obligation to sign him. God knows how much of his wages we're paying. I would, I, I, we've, we've probably had to make that deal look very good in order to get rid of him. I know, I know the Dijon president said uh, we've been trying to chase him for years. Like He made a big deal out of Jillabodji because he said that he, he wanted him years ago and he wasn't able to get him. Um but I don't know. I think I think we've probably offered him a round and had to make that look very good in order to get rid of him. Like who? How many times have we said it? Like who's going to take him? I'm surprised somebody actually did. And it, mm. you've got to think it's a lot of money uh, we paid out over a long time. And if Chilabodji leaves next year for a small fee, we'll still be paying for him for a couple of years. Like that. That's what's happened. Yeah, this this has happened for too long now, and it's got a stage where like it's built up that much, the debts that swelling that much that. It's it's having a knock on effect to the point where now we we don't have a lot of money. We don't have anything to spend by all accounts, and it's 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 <laughs> difficult. And it? it's difficult to get your head round. You've got to laugh before you cry, haven't you? I suppose that's the that's the way it goes. I know what you mean, though. It, it is mm. quite depressing, it, and it's it's as you say, it's all like a culmination of things. Do you know what I mean? It's a, a culmination of bad management from every angle, really, and the bad luck as well. I mean, things could have gone really well. You never know. <laughs> Everything might have been might have been fantastic, but unfortunately, it's not. Um, it doesn't all work out like that. It's. I mean, particularly when you're talking about fees not paid, that's a that is as you say, it's it's dodgy ground, isn't it? For us, to, for us to even cover, because I mean, we ask for transparency. It's something that you demand from your club, isn't it? Especially when you're in dire straits like this, when you're in dark times, really want some transparency, just so we know what's going on. We actually know what's happening with the club because it means so much to so many people. It is it's very important that we have some sort of indicator of how things are going. And if you, I mean, if you were to look purely at the results on the pitch, <laughs> then you would, it would be very bad. You know what I mean? You, you'd be very depressed. But 
yeah, it's good to have transparency. And you could argue in some ways that the club has been transparent. They've certainly made an effort to be more transparent. We know this. They've been talking about what's going on. They've, I mean, then again, you've got that question of they've been overly trans, not overly transparent, but if they've been overly forceful. I mean, it's an interesting thing because like publishing um, transfer rumors on the club site that was that was interesting, wasn't it? Particularly when you talk, that. talk. I mean, who? How many of those rumors came through? Did any of them come true? The ones that the Sunderland there weren't, there weren't there weren't really rumors. There were like. They were, they were infringing on kind of like stuff at the fan sites too, I guess, in a way, like commenting on stuff that appeared in the press and that. I just, I don't know what, that, that doesn't sit right with me. I think, I think the club website has its place um, and it's, it's not to comment on rumours and stuff. It's to confirm news and like the, what they're doing is fueling speculation there on players that might not arrive and it doesn't help anyone really, does it? Like I, I just didn't understand that. It didn't benefit anybody, like all that stuff. Um, but the the club the club website uh, the the guys are running do a good job and I feel sorry for them at times I think I think that they've um, especially last year had a very tough job on their hands trying to trying to be positive about everything when nothing was there to be positive about and being told every day how shit everything is it must be it must be I don't know must be dem- demoralizing really I, I guess trying to trying to do your job and just you can't because the team on the pitch is so shit. Um, but you know, from the meeting we had with the club, if you remember, Damon, when we were there, um, they spoke about having all of these grand ideas about nice things they like to do in the social media channels and the website, and they just weren't able to do it for whatever reason because just because of the way that the season had gone effectively. Um, but yeah, I, someone's made a comment there on on YouTube, clickbait, clickbait. Um, I suppose in a way, the, the club website's got to justify what it's doing, hasn't it? And they've got to get, bring people to the site. I don't think they struggle for clicks. Like people, people see them as the main source of information, don't they? Um, and and obviously look to the club website whenever whenever like anything gets announced. Um, I'm just going off the off the YouTube comments here. Um, looking further up, a guy called Max Hannigan. Um, the club's PR has been atrocious for ages. The club Twitter account was like a troll for the last six months, and you do get that impression, don't you? Like people people struggle with. People struggle with some of the stuff they put out because the sheer given. Well, that that was a big thing, like like that. It wasn't well, not necessarily a big thing, but just like people were like, "What are you doing?" Like you can tell it's just come off like uh, it's not any criticism of of the lads running the Twitter because it's just come off a database. Yeah, it's, something like that has they do that they just, do that every day, don't they? But yeah, they're just they're know. just doing the job, and I'm not going to call them like all the names under the sun for that, but just a bit of due diligence, you know what I mean? Just. Have a have a bit of a research on it. Like everybody in the football world knows that Shea Given played for Newcastle for twenty eight, but ten years or whatever. I suppose in a way as well. Like if you if you speak to anybody who watched Given play for Sun and they've only got fond memories of him. Like although he was a mag, he played for Newcastle for years and years and years. He he done good by Sun and like he came in at a time when we were facing relegation and Peter Reid kept us up with games left to run. Like people actually respect Given. Respect him. Say it's a shame that he never came here. and He ended up at Newcastle. No, but given, I mean, given came in when we won the league. He came he, in in the January time. I, sorry, I'm a my no, it, it was a season afterwards because it was. It was. I'll take you back to a story. Um, no, I won't. Um, I was. It was <laughs> uh, 90, 95, 96 when we won. He came in in the January as an eighteen-year-old kid, and he. Uh, I think he came in and for about sixteen games, and he kept like ten clean sheets or something. He broke the record for it. 
because he was at, he was immense for us in that period. I remember proper loving him as a kid. Um, but he got injured against Barnsley, I think. Um, and then we brought Chamberlain back in. But no, it was the, he actually helped us win the league. I think we were like fifth or something in January. And by the time he went back to Blackburn because he was injured, it was I think we were top by that point and pretty much nailed on champions. I think. Mm. History lesson there for you, lads. If anyone was wondering. <laughs> I but people do people do like respect to you given don't they? I know we're going off. I don't know. I respect, I respect there is no off topic. To the club and you know he's a, he's an international quality goalkeeper and I remember yeah. thinking when he was at Newcastle he was a extremely good player and when he went to Man City he didn't disgrace himself. But I don't know. Oh, we're just going to start. It's you know he played for Sunderland for a season. You know what I mean? We're wishing him happy birthday on Twitter. Um, you know it might be kind of indicative of the modern game and the social media mm. presence and stuff like that. But something's been said. Actually, actually, someone called Jamie Stanley said something here that I completely agree with. Poor social media wouldn't be too big a deal, and I think if we were doing well, but with the mess the clubs in, they have to get the basics right. I agree it with builds that. Builds up angst supporters. That's right. You expect just a small amount of professionalism. If we were winning and, every week, then that would have got completely. It, it it's yeah, it, it, yeah. Things like that do make you wonder. Those are it's all the little things, isn't it? It's the details that make you step step back and go, mm, "I'm not quite comfortable here." Lads, just to, uh, to to jump in, I'm just reading something from the mirror there, alleging that we've actually beat West Brom to the signing of Mark uh, Wilson. Apparently, really? apparently they want them too. Yeah. Apparently they didn't know about it. <laughs> That's only. <laughs> yeah. um, but he was there last year on loan, but he didn't play much. I find that a bit strange. But apparently, the, yeah, that's, that's in the mirror. Now uh, he had offers from West Brom as well. Um, it says uh, Tony Pulis has claimed to be a big admirer of the 29 year old. Um, but under tie up, set the tie up a cut price deal for the versatile fullback. Is he only twenty nine? I thought Aye. he was older than that. Actually, that's not a bad signing because that's kind of. It's not his My prime. worry with him. My worry with him is he just hasn't played much. Like you, you signed a player who's literally not kicked the ball for maybe over a year. I didn't realize he hadn't game. played for uh, Bournemouth. I remember him going to Bournemouth last summer from mm-hmm. Stoke. Think he'd be a decent signing, but I didn't realize he hadn't played. But I suppose Bournemouth have like a, a set team, or don't they? Like they add very few to it. It's like one or two players that actually get in the team and have to work to get in the team. I mean, even look at Defoe. Like they're they're kind of they're back four and moving forward always seems to have relatively stayed the same. I mean, they've yeah. still got like Simon Francis, I think, at right back, haven't they? And like yeah. Charlie Daniels on the left hand side, so I don't think they necessarily change their team that much. <laughs> can I just ask as well that everyone listening and on uh, YouTube, can you just if you want to fire any questions at us, just leave those in the comments box because we are. Well, I know we're getting off topic sometimes and running on, but we're, we we do want to hear from you and see what you guys want to say as well. Yeah, so hit us up. Let us fire know. those at us. Do let us know. Ask us some questions. I mean, who are we? Who are we but mere Sunderland fans? Just like you. <laughs> we were once just like you. Sorry, I've had a bit to drink. But uh, someone did point out a while ago, actually, and that was so much of I had to drink that I've forgotten to mention it until now. But someone did point out that it was uh, such and such time until the end of the window. It's now 23, no, yeah, 23 minutes until the end of the transfer window. And technically speaking, we have hired nobody. That's it's true. It, has, it, has, it hasn't been announced by the club yet. I mean, we've heard room. We've heard pretty much confirmation about Wilson. Manuel was seen going into the training ground. There was a video yes, on Sky of him going into the training ground. So it's, uh, it, it, it's fair to say that the group that we were we were given to work with, McManaman, Williams, Wilson, that that's all we're going to bring in. How do we feel about that now? Um, we, we need a striker. Yes, but apparently we're not going to get one. So let's work with what we've got. Right, just for a moment. 
I don't think we can. I, I don't think we can. Uh, like, can I, 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 I genuinely think it's the most stupid thing ever not to have a centre forward. We needed a centre forward. It was the one thing that we needed. But we signed James Wong. Uh, oh, no, no. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, I suppose... I, I, I suppose though, like, yeah, I, I mentioned, I, I spoke earlier about the need for a striker and it being a priority, but the are positions we need to strengthen still. So there's that. Um, it's the argument, isn't it, that everybody was, well, most people were quite happy with Vaughan if he came and was going to be a squad player. And now we are 20 minutes away from the deadline shutting and it looks like he's going to be first choice for the whole of the season or at least till January. I think that's quite concerning. Yeah, maybe. Well, Grayson Grayson seems like he he has a lot of faith in the players he buys. Like he could have he could have quite easily just dropped Jason Steele for that derby game. And he didn't. He stuck by him until till the last match. Essentially, aye, he did so, him eventually though, didn't he? Actually, aye, but I mean, right, I made it difficult for him. Like he couldn't not play against Barnsley. I know he didn't play great against Barnsley, but he he made it difficult for Grayson, didn't he? And so and every man his dog was calling for for right at the start against Derby and he didn't he stuck by him and I've just got to think that maybe he, he admires Vaughan's work rate and he admires the effort he puts in apparently a very decent person I don't know maybe maybe he's happy just to stick by him and give him his chance and maybe unworthy hopes, hope, maybe he hopes that he's, he's going to come good he's got to he's got unworthy to have of the photoshop effort that Gav put into him I know that put, was him on, put, him on, put him on the head of Agent 47 from Hitman that was fantastic it looked fantastic, and it was it, there was it was a beacon, and nothing came of it. Unfortunately, that was a shame. We were hoping. I mean, we were told that he was he was quite accurate, weren't we? We were told that he was on target. Mm. Um, maybe it's. I don't get me wrong. People, players have gone through longer spells of well, longer dry spells, haven't they? Certainly, for Sunderland. I mean, it is entirely possible. Or maybe he's been played out of position. Maybe he's just not confident enough. I mean, the manager's probably not one hundred percent confident. To be honest with you. We expect a lot of managers. We say, "Oh well, because they've got that." I mean, the the actual badges. Then they don't require much to obtain the badges. So it's it's not with regards to that. All of your experience of being a manager comes from being in football. So it's really about you as a person, isn't it? So it's not a it's not an easy game either way. And it's, there's no set formula. You're either good with people or you aren't. I think that's the issue. To be, well, it's not an issue. I don't think it's an issue necessarily. But it was interesting when you look at Simon Grayson from a. Uh, a psychological point of view, let's say, when you look at him, and he, he's quite reserved, and not reserved in a in a bad way, in a negative way, not in so much that he's not approachable or anything like that, but he thinks about what he says before he says it. And a lot of people don't do that, particularly in football. A lot of people are very just out with their opinion, or they just outright lie, or they deliberately create a mask or something like that. But he doesn't do that. He's you can tell that he thinks that he plans ahead, so he's not. It's not through any negligence of his or any kind of inability in any kind of intellectual or social capacity that inhibits him from interacting with players to the point where he can get the best out of them. I'm talking about players as humans, you know what I mean? So hes I don't think that's any kind of issue for him. I don't think that's really an issue for our managers. I think that's just a... I don't know. I'm, I'm losing track of what I'm saying, but the point is it he's capable, and so is the squad that we've got. That's something that annoys me, is that players like Vaughan... They're capable of making the decision to come to a club like Sunderland. Players, um, managers like, uh, well, managers like Simon Grayson, he's capable of making the right decision of weighing up all of his options and going into it. And it just concerns me that they're out of water now. See what I mean? It concerns me that Vaughan hasn't started well in what was really a good opportunity or a great opportunity for him to do so. It concerns me that Simon Grayson, not he hasn't started poorly, but he hasn't started well either. Um, it concerns me. It doesn't seem like they were 100% prepared for it. 
No. You know, and everyone who comes into the club seems to be prepared for it. Yeah, I've spoken to Ellis Short and I've spoken to Martin Bain and they've assured me that I'll get this, this and this and I'm confident we can do this. And then within a few months, the wheels seem to come off. Yeah, no, you, you are just... right. It, 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 it's concerning like, and it, it happens time and time again to a point where, I mean, it doesn't, <clears throat> you, you, you can recognise what, what Grayson's trying to do. You can sort of, to an extent, recognise some of what Bain's been brought in to do and, and like, you can, you can, uh, yeah, his his role at the club is defined, and he doesn't want to. Imp- he's not going to impress anybody by doing it. But I mean, like, he's here for a reason. But then you you think and you you look at it and you go like, none of this is changing until the owner goes. Like, none of it, none of it is changing until as short goes. This doesn't get better from here. This only gets worse. This only gets worse and worse and worse and worse until he gets the club into a shape ready to sell, which is where we're at. Like, there's a reason we're not spending money. There's a reason people are being made redundant. There's a reason that we're selling players uh, lower than what we paid for them. There's a reason we're, we're, we're deep loading the wage bill. There's a reason 12 players were released in the summer or whatever it was. You know, the, There's a reason all of this is happening, and it's not to get the club back on a good financial footing. It's mm. to get Ellis Short's business back on a good financial footing so that when he tries to sell it, it looks a lot better. Someone made someone made a great analogy um, about about selling a house on. Um, I think it was on the ethics column on the website this week. He said, "I've I've sold two houses in a flat um, in my life, and each time the the estate agents told us to tart it up a bit, give this a little bit, look a paint, uh, you yeah. know, do this that and the other to make the place look nicer. So when I try to sell it, people want to buy it, and you can apply that kind of logic to what what they're doing now with Sunderland." The, the, what they're doing is they're making the books look a lot better so when they try to sell it yeah. it goes a lot quicker and it goes a lot smoother and how long that takes could be between six months and a year could be two years could be three years we don't know what we do know is that for the the length of time he is still here this doesn't get better this this financial situation improves certainly we'll maybe look a lot better off on the books but I mean on the pitch we struggle we don't have we don't have the capability to compete in a league that we should have the capability to compete in. It's changed since the last time we we're here, of course, but we're we're struggling off the pitch, and it's gonna undoubtedly have an impact on it. It can't not. No, absolutely. I think if we just got more Britishness, it would fix it. What if you think about it as well? I think at least eight of those players, if the medicals are passed, are all British as well, aren't they? Actually, hilariously enough. Me making that comment, I think I'm sure most of our players have been British that we brought in this this summer. There's only been right to that's foreign, I think. It's interesting what Moy said when he mentioned the Britishness when he was talking about building a core for the future, and it was like Jillabodji was in there, <laughs> and now he's gone. It's like eight months later. This <laughs> is like I really want to build a, a long term plan, and that's why I'm buying these players. And like, oh, nonsense. Um, <laughs> he's down. He says Johnny Williams drove eight hours to get Sunderland. Probably got caught speeding or an hour bastard luck. Sure. It would be our luck that he'd get caught in traffic, wouldn't it? And he wouldn't end up. Yeah, of course. And it will melt in the instead. We could, Max Hannigan, we could do a Jan and Stelconi on Dunk to China tomorrow. That's a worry, like. Remember that? Oh, it's true, that. Hey, that's a good point, that. Who said that? It just proper ruined my buzz. I thought that would be done. But Max Hannigan. Max fucking did it, will you? Max Power. <laughs> Sorry. We're Stop be being up. realistic in that. We're going to be up late. Oh. Kirchhoff and Chamath, no. both three agents. Would you have them? Zach McCaskill? No. Nah. Kirchhoff's still a, still yeah, a free yeah. agent. Yeah. I read oh, something, yeah, I read I something a few weeks ago that he was um, he was in like a, a training camp for free agents 
um, in, Germany. In, in Germany. But oh, clearly, his, his injury issues are, are obviously far worse than we imagined because like nobody must be prepared to take a risk on him. I mean, he was he, he was like John Mensah level of bad. He was like actually John Mensah got got through more games. It was like that six month uh, period where he was. He, I mean, he was class. Like he's at, like that game at St James's. Like he just totally like mauled their midfield for like sixty minutes. Then he went off, mm. and we just shit ourselves. He's, he's class, but I mean, he's he is made of Rizzler papers. Like he's it's a shame, like, of, like, it's a shame because oh, I, I, I believe shame. I believe he's a top six player. Like when fit. Oh, easily. He's class. Biggest one. One maybe one of the biggest. Center off by trade. Yeah. Well, what, maybe one of the biggest. I don't know disasters we've had really in the last ten years or so. I would say would be the fact that that Jan Kirchhoff we couldn't keep him fit and we couldn't. You know, because we I, there's a feeling there inside me that we certainly wouldn't have struggled as badly as we did last year with him fit every week, run the midfield. Um, but yeah, come and gone, Kirchhoff. He'll, hopefully, he sorts himself out. He's still young enough, and he and hopefully he gets himself a club, proves himself all over again. I just I'm gutted, really. I he, he never really made it. Yeah, he's actually um, really young, isn't he? He's only like 25, 26. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look just, back last year, though, like just to see how far we've gone down. Last year, we were like begging Jan and Vila to come, and it was a horrible, horrible like end to the window because he didn't. This year, we're signing like Mark Wilson. Hi. That's how things. I mean, don't get us wrong. I think where we are, it's a good signing. You can't look back, but like, fuck me from like wanting them Vila and Mark Wilson mm, on a free transfer. Just rank that like. Just, just yeah, look. those were the good old days, weren't they? When we were looking forward to. Yeah, and I'm coming through the doors. Everyone's signing was up it, to like an Instagram it, it like, account. Well, it was like a year ago, and it's like the can for Jan thing. Everyone was convinced he was coming, then just died a death, didn't it? What was the other one? What was the one? Someone... I remember the very serious debate we had about going to catch him at the airport. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like, <laughs> we're all going to get him going to catch him at the airport. Because <laughs> he, like, he, he posted that he was at Heathrow or something, hadn't he? Ah, that's right, with his mate. Both had really good snapbacks on that I could probably not pull off, but I remember <laughs> that quite well. Um, what was the other one? Was it Peruzzi watch a couple of years again? Aye. That was a mad window. That like There was a couple of... It was one then where we, we had a couple of players didn't end up coming and we were like... Like Mendy was... Was Mendy the same window? The guy who was signed for Man City? Um, or was that the window before Peruzzi? No, it was the same one. The window, was it? Like Mendy and uh, Peruzzi, and we ended up with uh, David Moberg Carson. Do you remember? Do you remember Alfred Duncan, the centre mid that was meant to be coming from Inter Milan? I don't think oh, he remembered to do anything. Aye, I think Ghanaian centre mid. He was like a young um, kid when he was like nineteen, twenty, or something like that. Aye, aye. I don't, I don't know what he amounted to. Actually, I would have to look up on that. Um, just again looking through the questions. Uh, Splendino. Uh, question: How is Swansea a club we are much bigger than signing players like Renato Sanchez, and we can't even get a decent goal scorer? I suppose because they're in the league above us is the main reason. Aye, they're, in the, they're in the Premiership. And That's kind and, of a big one. and Paul Clements pulled in a huge favour getting him. Like Clement worked with him at Bayern. Um, by all accounts, he's not had a great year at Bayern though. Like played some like four games for them. Um, but he come, he went in with a massive reputation, didn't he? Because he played so well for Portugal at the at the European Championships, and then just amounted to nothing. Um, someone, oh yeah, someone said Alfred Duncan for Sassuolo. Sassuolo, yeah. No idea. He, he went. He was signed in a temporary deal with an obligation to sign him outright at the end of the season. Something that we can't do for some reason. <laughs> he apparently scored a thunderbolt against AC Milan in a two 0 win. He's played like fifty four games there. Or something. Uh, Sassuolo, Serie A. 
Yes, yeah, I think yeah, yeah they are. Yeah. Didn't have like one of the best goal scorers in the league not last year, but the year before, and then he was signed by UV or something. Uh, Aye, that's right. That. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Ethan Thorburn, if you could, who would your which three ex Sunderland players would you re-sign? I think is what he's asking. Well, like I'm presuming he means ones that aren't retired. Like, aye, because I was going to say that you've got too much of a choice. Then, uh, you know what? When it, when it came up before, I took the Mick, but like I actually wouldn't have minded Connor Wickham back. I mean, his attitude totally stinks, but he's got something to prove. He's been injured for a while, and. I mean, he's soft as shite, but like in that league, he might. He should boss that league, like he He should. should. Uh, You'd think someone like Conor Wickham would boss the championship. Just it's strange that he's never ended up there. Actually, I wonder what what money he's on at Palace. I think he's a high level championship player. I think that's literally what he is. Like you, you, you look at players like Chris Wood, who've like twenty odd goals last season. Chris Wood ended up getting a decent move to Burnley, but like. He's probably on that level, isn't he? Surely, Conor Wickham. I don't think he was that. I mean, he struggled. He struggled at Sunderland at times but then he, he showed glimmers of what he was capable of um, the Phil, second Oates, one. Phil Oates is asking us out of the three expected assigned who do you reckon will be announced first um, um, Wilson nah Wilson I reckon I'll say McManaman you, you seem to be oh, no, they're clearly all going to be announced at the same time guys come on we've, we've, uh, we've got point. six minutes to go <laughs> so it's, it's going to be like boom 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 they'll I've probably got... wait until 11 to announce aren't they yeah and and so yeah. that and in that way they don't really disappoint us so what we're dealing with here, we've got six minutes left till the end of the transfer window. Uh, we haven't really talked about anyone else uh, outside of Sunderland, but I suppose there's been plenty to talk about with Sunderland. What we're dealing with, we've got no strikers. It looks like we are relying purely on McManaman, Williams, Wilson, each with their own, uh, not so much cons. Well, yeah, certainly cons, pros and cons. Uh, no striker. How are we gonna? We got. We are gonna. I know. I've asked this already, but it's just sinking in. We've got no striker. This is a I really. Th- I think bad. we're all good signings, but I just think like yeah. I think if you look at it from like objectively, it. but in reality, they we haven't got what we needed. So yeah, it's all very well and good. We've got we've got McGeady and we've got Graben and we've got McManaman. Let's say he plays well. Let's say they all play well, but we haven't got what we needed. We need a striker. So. Unless amongst these players, Grayson is relying on somebody to bang in goals, we aren't going to emulate the foe. The, the point is, we aren't going to emulate the foe. That's what we, no. we we weren't promised it, but we expected it. We all we all knew the foe was going. We all knew we wouldn't we wouldn't get any money to sufficiently replace him. We all knew we couldn't really entice a player like that to replace him. So we just naturally assumed that the only way to replace him was to emulate him with two or three attacking players, and we failed to do that. McGeady can conjure goal. Well, he can't conjure goals. He can create goals. And Graban can latch on to balls. And he, he, he can latch on to balls. But you know what I mean? He, he can make goals happen as well. He can play his part. Vaughan even can be argued that he can play a role in the scoring of that goal. But we have no striker. We need a predator and we don't have one. And Watmore's not going to bring that back. So I don't know what he's relying on. If he's relying on Watmore, he's relying on a... what? An inside winger. I honestly, I honestly think he's he's just very confident in his options. If for them not to pursue anybody else, I think he obviously would have liked the striker. But come on, we must have had some. There must have been somebody offered us. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not would have liked, is it? It's like yeah. have to get. Who is financially viable? Well, nobody at the moment because Ellis Short's completely cut the person. Well, even if he hasn't, 
Surely there are loan options available for an out-and-out striker. Surely there are free agents there's, available. There's for for loans, you've got to pay. You've got to pay a loan fee and a chunk of the wage. So I don't. I mean, it I is. Think I, I mean, if that is a viable option either. If you were in, yeah, I mean, if I was in his shoes and in the situation where for some reason I couldn't even afford to bet for or bet bid for a striker with any kind of money, like even a couple hundred grand, you'd obviously, but you knew you needed one which we do, that's unavoidable. There could be no argument that Grayson doesn't think we desperately need a striker that can score goal. That's just, that's apparent to a blind, deaf and dumb child who's never watched a game of football. It's Everybody knows this. It's God himself knows that we need a striker. And it's just, it's impossible to go through the rest of the season without one because we have no one to score goals. No one is scoring goals. Yes, Graban caught a couple. Graban grabbed a couple. Hey, but... It's it's not sustainable. McGeady isn't sustainable. Even if McGeady was scoring on a par with his his prime, which was <clears throat> boy, it was in its like it was in double digits, but it wasn't great. It was like thirteen goals, fourteen goals in a season or something like that. Ah, with that's, a lot of assists. So yeah. you put in, we've announced three signings. Oh, there we go. There's the Claxon. Two minutes before eleven. Get in. Mark All Wilson, right. Mark Wilson on a one year deal, free transfer. Callum McManaman, two year deal, free transfer. Johnny Williams, season long loan. Lads, we're gonna win the league. <laughs> well, I, I I wasn't expecting two of those to be freeze like, but uh, that's decent business, like. Aye, aye. Wait, I think I think McManaman's an interesting one, isn't he? He's a bit like, a bit like in a way, McGeady in the sense that he's got to prove himself all over again here, because like after winning, he won like the cup at Wigan, didn't he? And he was like the big one, of the big stars of that team. Um, Ever since his career has nosedived, essentially, I think he spent a little bit on loan at Chef Wedding, done nothing as well, um, and he's coming here really, and he's not guaranteed a start. I know we haven't got a great deal of width in our team, but I mean, when Watmore's fit, he plays every time. When McGeady's fit, he plays every time. So, from my perspective, I think it's nice to have options. We definitely needed width in the team, like um, we definitely needed added options so that we were able to really compete. It, it's nice to have strength and depth and I guess that's what McManaman brings if 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 he proves to be anything anyways um, I don't know about what the rest of you think about McManaman but I just think I think that as a piece of business on a free transfer it's risk free and it really on, would, on, yeah, need I, feel, I completely agree completely agree on a free transfer that's that's a really good deal I mean if only off the back of what I remember um, and I remember very little about it but I do remember a period of time when as I said a couple of years ago when I was watching him play and thinking and hearing him linked with us in transfer window and thinking, oh, he, he looks like he'd be a really good signing. And then he went to West Brom, and I, I think I questioned that. It was around about the same time that, I, well, was it around about the same time as the old Berahino nonsense that King Arnold had something to do with Sunderland, but just Berahino being a dick and completely ruining his career, essentially. Where's right. Berahino? Where's that, that stuck? Berahino? He's still yeah, um, stuck. I, um, well, I haven't got him. <laughs> 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 he, um, Where's he sent it forward? Well, he was warming up for Stoke at the weekend, wasn't he? Against West Brom, and he was getting booed like hell just for warming up. I mean, West Brom fans good. really. He had that one really good season where, like, didn't Spurs offer twenty odd million and they turned it away? Aye, twenty million or something like that. Ah, like it was. A- All right, lads, guys, guys, you, you, people, you good people on the YouTube chat. What do you think of Berahino? If we could get him, I don't know if we could. I've got no idea. It just came to mind. What do you reckon? Yeah, uh, I, I don't. We could would get him. Like, although Stoke, we're not going to get anyone now. I don't. I don't think we're going to get Berahino <laughs> now. But. It would have been interesting, though, somebody like that. Yeah, it's definitely that was, no, even that would have been exciting. 
obviously oh, lads, we've lads. we've been on this chat for a couple of hours now and we haven't really kept much track of what's going on but uh there's definitely strikers sitting in squads of teams in the Premier League that could have added something like I wonder if Danny Ings turned up anywhere. If anyone wants to give us a head up in the comments. Have you seen Keith Downey's tweet? Some no. that working frantically to get the paperwork for Callum McManaman deal done. That kind of oh, strikes me as like we fucked it. <laughs> the only one we mentioned as being a good deal potentially out of all of it. <laughs> the fax <laughs> machine's fucked again. Apparently they're both free transfers. Sorry if I, I went for a piss before, so sorry if you've talked about this already. You but... know, when, when they said Academy of Light, I didn't realise it was like AOL. It's in AOL fucking dial-up broadband. That's what they're fucking dealing with, isn't it? It's one of those fucking, can't afford anything, can't afford it, fixed broadband. We have to get one of those discs from the fucking late 2000. Don't worry, Karen. They managed to bloody sort Mika out right, though. Where's Mika going? Like, that's the big question, isn't it? Where's Mika? Going nowhere. Well, Stryzek leaving the day. Going nowhere, boy. Did we not pay two million for that little fucker? No, I don't think we paid anything, did we? Didn't we basically just email every single club in Europe and ask if they had any spare keepers going? I remember that guy from Bordeaux was close, that Carasso, and he's been free this summer. But Mika was just brought here clearly under the pretense, mate, you're not going to play like, but you have a decent life, we'll pay you well. Just sit on my bench and Look like you're doing something because he's, he's, he's served no like. purpose. Yeah, like he's, well, he's served no purpose. Yeah, like there's been no point in signing that kid. I've no. seen his hook son in Korea though. I was at the Livingston game and the Hibs game. I think that was the maximum that he played, and he was proper shit. Like, pr- like he made Manone look like Pickford. He was Christ. that. Like he was really That's bad. No mean feat that with his distribution. Like even even like. Even like Dilabodji at the Hibs game when Mika came on, you seen like the the fear of God going to him, and you were like. Oh, if he if he looks like he's worried, like how shit is this kid? Like, and he just looked terrible. I think the actual Mika, do you know the pop star? He would have probably been slightly better. It would have been entertaining. Yeah, entertaining. I mean, you didn't have to agree with me on that. <laughs> that's, that's one way of putting it. That's certainly a fact. Well, it's certainly a possibility. I don't know. When we got Mika, it was like it reeked of a bad deal anyway, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And it was. It's interesting the way. You, it, I think that makes it all the more painful with Jordan Pickford is that goalkeepers, they're easy to come by. To be, I'm not saying that we've replaced Jordan Pickford straight away. His distribution isn't easy to come by. That's what makes, if we're honest here, if we look at all of he's he's a, a really good goalie between the sticks when, like, when it comes to saves, reaction time, but and, and commandment of his own, or command of his own box. But when it comes to his real attribute that makes him worth 30 million, it's his distribution. Excuse me. Yeah, so it's not hard to get a goalkeeper that can actually stop the ball going into the net. It's hard to get a goalkeeper that can contribute to the attack of a team. They're rare. They are rare. They do exist, but they're very, very rare indeed. And that's why they paid 30 million for him. And 30 million is a lot of money, even in today's market, where everything's incredibly expensive ridiculously so you might say but with jordan pickford we didn't need to sell that kid man well i maintain this we didn't need to sell him and we sold him because he was our best asset he was our only asset arguably and we got 30 million for him and we haven't seen a penny of that and this is a valid time to mention it because it's four minutes past the uh deadline window and i believe we've spent in the entire window we've spent about three million is that right Less than that, it's been like less than one point two five. Well, there's one to yeah, I'm sure it's like one point six. 
I imagine one of these will have cost us some money. They will, won't be all for free, surely. Talk, talking about Pickford, it's horrible though because I, I work with an, an Everton fan, and like when he got him, he was like, "Oh, thirty million is quite a bit." That like you know he got relegated, and like every day I go into work when they've played, you can see the realization of how good he is, and he's like, "Oh, Pickford's distribution, this that," and it's kind of like. I remember thinking 30 million was like the bare minimum, but like even he's like, I think that's a bargain that in today's market, like he's going to go on to be, I mean, didn't Southgate today though say he was going to play Joe Hart in the next England game because he thought he was the best English goalkeeper. Like I think Pickford is like, I I honestly think we could have pushed for a little bit more with that. Yeah. We, it's not about how much we could have pushed for. Um, I don't think that's relevant. I I think if we pushed for more than 30 million for Pickford, like I was saying, um, you can get keepers that can stop the ball going in for a lot less than 30 million. You can get them for 5 million. Do you know what I mean? You can get them for less than that, arguably. I mean, the Ruter, as I say, we've got one. He's a good keeper. I think we agree with that. Yeah, I mean, even Strijek was a good keeper. It's not a... I'm not... No disrespect to any keepers out there. It's a very... It's not a difficult job. I mean, it's as difficult a job as in any football job is difficult, which is to say very... It's very athletically taxing. But with regards to the actual sort of responsibility you have on the pitch, you have to have command of your immediate area and you have to be able to have, well, you have to have reactions and the ability. Williams is confirmed, by the way. Oh, is it? Williams is confirmed. Totally no, no, no. That's why we're here. <coughs> Who's been confirmed? Uh, Sorry. Missed Williams. Williams. Scarf photo. Woo! Not on SHC, but there's like, a, there's like a leaked photo of him. Looking, looking a little bit like a blonde David Vaughan. Which he's is an unfortunate a... looking fucker, and he bless him. Why? He's Welsh. Is he Welsh? Yeah. Oh, it must be a thing. Maybe they're related, which I've got no problem with. <laughs> yeah, I quite like David Vaughan, but he's got like quite a bad receding hairline. He's got he's got a proper um, like Sunday League footballer haircut, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, very good footballer though. He can look what he like. Look like you know whatever he wants, as long as he does the biz, like. Um, well, uh, apparently he's really good, but I, I, I would love to say I know stuff about him, but I just didn't. Like, well, no it's good about. thing you it's good thing you bring us on to that because I spoke with um, Palace fans in earlier just about him. We've got that on the website if anyone wants to check it out. Um, but he was really complimentary of him. Um, so I asked him, you know, I, I, I don't really know a lot about him, but what can you tell us? And the guy from the, the fanzine, which is called Five Year Plan, very popular fanzine, Crystal Palace. Um, he he said he, he'll get a player that works tirelessly. He's great on the ball. Is always ready to receive it and looking for passes. Is positive in his approach both on and off the pitch. He's a lovely character anyway, but he's a popular player too. With a run of games, he'll make things happen. Um, so then I went I went and asked why it's not worked out um, at Palace. Why you know there's obviously a reason to loan them out. Um, and clearly the issue with him is his injury problems. He's 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 had numerous injury issues and. Um, the, the guy I spoke to said it, it's not just in one place. He's like getting, he's having injuries and they're all different, which is a, obviously a big issue. It indicates he's maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit fragile and and not up to the rigors of playing a lot of football. Um, he, you know, there's a there's a comment here after his trip to the Euros with Wales last year. Williams came back to Palace with the intention to push the first team po- football. Uh, only to then get crunched with a horror tackle in the club's final preseason fixture. The, an- the ankle injury he suffered took months to recover from. So what we're effectively getting is a player on the back of a bad injury spell who, if he can stay fit, is going to be a very, very big asset this team. Um, I, I can't profess to know a lot about him, like, but I mean, I take this guy's word and I, 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 I genuinely think he could be a good signing, even if, even if he doesn't stay beyond the length of his contract. Um, 
I also asked, you know, he's very young. What do you expect to happen with him down the line? Do you think he'll stay or will he will he move on? Um, and he said in a dream scenario, Williams would help Son to win promotion and return to Palace to stake a real claim for first-team football. However, there's an overriding fear amongst Palace fans with his injury record um, that might have seen him having much hope of making an impact at the club. That said, because he's played so many games for the club at such a young age, it's often forgotten that he's just 23-year-old. Um, and then I obviously asked, you know, for any Sunderland fans who are um, meeting this with a bit of trepidation, aren't sure about him, you know, what would you say? He said, just ask any Ipswich fan what to think of him, his abilities, popularity at Palace and Ipswich is for a good reason. Um, with games under his belt, he should be a great addition. He deserves success after his injury difficulties. So, I mean, that's as ringing as an endorsement as you can give, apart from the fact that he's, he's always injured, you know? Um, I, I've got, I've I've got a lot, you know, a lot of hope that that might that might come good, and we, we definitely need number ten. Like there was this hope for a long time that Kazu would be a good number ten, but I just don't think he's as disciplined on the ball as a number ten needs to be. And maybe that's what Williams will bring. He'll he'll not lose the ball half as much, and maybe link the play, and maybe get more out of the strikers as well, which is a big thing. Like we're talking about needing a striker. If we did have that link from midfield to attack, uh, and we improved it, and we had better players in there, then maybe. Maybe the likes of Graben would and Vaughan even would be more prolific. You've, you've, you've got to. I, I always say about any new signing that we have to treat them um, with a clean slate. As soon as they come through the door, to, for for any player to drop from the Premier League down to the Championship, there's a reason. Clearly, with Williams, there's a reason, and it's injuries. Um, with Mark Wilson, he's just not playing football. Um, Callum McManaman just not playing football. So these are lads who've got to prove themselves, and 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 I guess that that's the big take from it. All right, on an ideal situation, an ideal scenario, we would have paid money for players and brought in a better quality. But these are talented players who've played Premier League football and need to prove themselves again and um, just give them a chance, I guess, is, is my motto. Yeah, is my motto. Give them a chance. <laughs> That's Gav's motto. Has anyone seen the photo of Kazri signing for Renz? He's proper sucking in. I'm just, it's like, he looks like he's lost a stone, but he's not. Like He's just sucking in. Has he got he's his under armour on? That's an interesting point. Kazri was always called fat when he came back. For a, for a professional footballer. Yes. I wish I was as fat as him. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Same. Imagine what but, he's fat on, though. I mean, shit, we get fat on cheap food and beer. What does he get fat on? What do you get fat on when you pay, like, 60 grand a week? Apparently, he was shit? never out of caffeine hero. I've seen loads of people saying that. Like, our oh, caffeine hero is profits will take it here. Likes, likes, a, likes a coffee and... Was it only just one, ca- was it one <laughs> caffeine hero in particular? Was it one caffeine hero in particular? No idea. No only idea. thing if it was, like, we should probably investigate that cafe Nero. Just walking past that the granola slices, like, oh, I should say no, but oh, fuck it, I'm not playing on Saturday anyway. I'll just have one. Um, no, that, that was... only happens to vegans, Graham. <laughs> the rest of us don't well, have very true. Very true. Ooh, but we're there. Can he comment on uh, in the comments on YouTube, lads? Um, Jordan Ramsey, can we all just take note of how well Grayson has done this window with the money he's used? Yes, yes, I saw that. Absolutely. I agree. I agree that he's done very well with what he's got. When we, it's well, yeah, signed striker, and he signed, he signed two strikers. Uh, I know, I mean, like actual strikers <laughs> that can actually score goals. Um, it's like I just feel a little bit like. It's like going to buy a house, but just going, oh, we'll just leave the sitting room. We don't need one. It'll be all right. Like, the one thing we needed was a decent centre forward. And he signed, like, Vaughan, who I'm sure he's a lovely lad, but he's not very good, is he? And I don't think Graben's necessarily a centre forward. I feel like Graben's what we were told he was, like that kind of, like, wing centre forward. Like, 
I, 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 I think, he, yes, he has done well. He has done well, but like he's missed the most obvious position. Like he needs an out and out centre forward. That division needs an out and out centre forward. How much of that is his fault? I don't know, but I think that should have been priority position. Yeah, obviously, I think, well, not obviously to demean your point, I completely agree. It should have been a priority. That's what we said earlier, wasn't it? It's it's something that should have absolutely been a, absolutely been a priority. But I'm, I think with regards to specifically what that gentleman was talking about, like the Jordan Ramsey, um, yeah, talking about um, what he's actually got with his money. On paper now, when we're looking at our squad, uh, brought in by Grayson, working at Aidan McGeady, uh, Lewis Graban, James Vaughan, uh, Johnny Williams, Mark Wilson, and Callum McManaman. Although Callum McManaman yet to be announced, I believe. So, Honeyman's in there as well. Honeyman? How did Honeyman be in there? Oh, I thought you were going through through striking options. Sorry. No, no, no. So, just talking about all the players that he's brought in, just in oh, this window, yeah. when we consider and what we know about how much he's spent, we're looking at what less than two million or two million. I mean, for under two million, he's got Callum McManaman. He's got Mark Wilson, he's got Aidan McGeady, and he's got Lewis Graban. And we've and we've also got Rob uh, Ruta in goal and yeah, and Steele as well, who isn't my Is biggest outlay on Steele then, half a million quid. I think so, yeah, that must be it. I mean surely one of surely one of these was a there was a transfer of money. Surely one of them. Was it not Vaughan? Was Vaughan not like six hundred thousand or something? Well no, the no, money no. Yeah, it was, was two hundred and fifty on uh, McGeady. And if we spent 1.25 million before tonight, before the, whatever happened tonight, it was, yeah. I suppose when you look at it, like, I mean, I've probably Stay been a bit with. harsh before. It's, it's ridiculous when you think of the money that he's actually spent. He's spent, like, 20 pence. Like, it's been nothing. Like, I mean, McGeady for 250,000. It's not that. No, it's a solid, solid purchase. I mean, if it was... But that's the trouble, isn't it? It's all about the right... Mark Wilson confirmed. Right yeah, Bournemouth have confirmed uh, Mark Wilson. We Fair haven't, enough. but they have. So. Aye, they have. They've confirmed them to us. On a permanent. permanent basis. Mark Wilson joined Sunderland on a permanent basis. Um, oh, Sunderland have confirmed it now. There yeah. we go. On, this, is on, this, is, this is the, the statement. Very, very short statement on their, on their website, but defender Mark Wilson has joined Sunderland on a permanent basis. Wilson 30 joined the shows last summer from Stoke City, but was loaned to West Brom in January. Uh, <laughs> the Irishman made three cup appearances for the club since rejoining. <laughs> And we'll now play alongside Cherry's Loney, Lewis Grubbin at the Stadium of Light. I can't believe he's only 30. It's a good signing that. Signing that I something think. I read before said 29, definitely, when I read it out, didn't it? Maybe today's his birthday. Anyone <laughs> check that? Today's his birthday and he's, he's in another country where the two hours ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very possible. Um, but as we're saying, we're, we're in a, yeah... Fuck's sake! Going back to my original point, I know it's easier to, it's better to laugh it off, but the reality is we don't have a goal scorer. No. So from a very Sunderland point of view, what do we do? We can't wait on Duncan Watmore. We can't rely on him. Can't rely on Aidan McGeady. I mean, even if he was fit, or rather, even if he was firing on all cylinders and just being like banging goals in, or rather, giving assists every every game, every other game. It won't happen forever. He hasn't got yeah. 46 games in him. No it's unreasonable to expect that of him. To exactly. Say, you know what I mean? But So what do we do now? How do we compensate for Jermaine Defoe? I suppose that's the big question, isn't it? That's the overarching question. How do we compensate for the loss of Jermaine Defoe? Um, you don't. What you do is... The issue, I guess, with um, the issue, I guess, with our 
team last season, although Defoe scored the brunt of the goals and was reliable for a large part of the season, I think the team suffered as a result of his inclusion. Like he was there and took the brunt of the um the expectation when it came to goal scoring, but that kind of led to us not having very many goals from other areas of the pitch. You know what I mean? Like wasn't part of Van Anholt our second top goal scorer or third top goal scorer despite leaving in January? Like that we 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 need Ultimately, when, when we came to rebuild this team in the summer, we needed to add goals in more than one area. We needed to be a more well-rounded squad, I guess. Um, you'd like to think that if McManaman's fit and firing and putting balls in the box, that the strikers will benefit from it more. McGeady, there's less expectation on him to do everything. You might see a better player out of him. Um, and then you're obviously looking at Williams, although his goal-scoring record is very unremarkable for a player who's supposedly a number 10. Um You'd like to think that if he's going to play every week and, and contribute higher at the pitch, that the team as a whole will benefit and it'll not just be about one player. So I guess that's one way you can take it is although we haven't signed uh, another striker, because I think I do think Grabben's a good player, but although we haven't signed another striker, I think it's more about what the team as a whole can provide and whether whether we can maybe work on being more threatening at both ends of the pitch. Like we concede too many from set pieces and we don't score enough from them. Like that that's another big issue we've got in this squad. And if that's something we can look to to um to get around, I guess, and and maybe have better deliveries going in the box and then it won't matter that we haven't got a man standing out scoring all the goals. Like like you know you you don't promote teams don't always get promoted just because one player bangs them in for fun. Like Leeds didn't even make the playoffs last year and had the top score in the league. It's a, mm. it's more the case of that. You know, hopefully with with a with a stronger squad, a more balanced squad, we'll, we'll we'll see a better return overall. Like what more hopefully is going to make an impact. Although I don't want to expect too much initially. I do think that's maybe like I've said mentioned earlier. I do think that mm. the place and a lot of expectation maybe on him coming back and being able to contribute. Will he, yeah. uh, he, will he contribute by the way? Oh, just randomly, Before sorry, it doesn't, <laughs> matter. <laughs> doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. No one really gives a shit, but this, million, apparently. Uh, there's been some interest. I mean, I've, let's talk about transfer deadline day in general. There's been some, well, some about the transfer window just for a bit, just before we wrap up, wrap up shortly because it doesn't seem like there's anything more coming out of the. the uh, well, out of the academy, it doesn't seem like there's anything going to happen for Sunderland, which is a bit of a shame. But quick overarching thing of all teams and all players. I mean, me personally, been shocked at West Ham's business or lack of business. To be honest with you, I think they were they've bought terribly. I think they're really suffering under the owner they've got. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think uh, all the owners they've got. I think David Gold in particular, like bad piece of work for them. Don't think as well. I don't think Slavin Bilic miss uh, really fits their <clears throat> well the squad that he's got. I think, well, it can bring us back to Sunderland, really, because um, with Allardyce, there was a lot of complaints from his fans, or rather not his fans, his detractors, but West Ham fans, when he was there, about how there was no, um, well, there was no West Ham way, I think they were talking about, this whole fucking supposedly attacking football that you get from West Ham, I don't know, personally. Not a fan. But it's interesting the, the amount of hassle that he got from the fans in general, when he moved on, he was sort of, he, he wasn't really defensive about that when he came to Sunderland. You you could see, I think he published a book between when he left West Ham and when he, or sort of just into, I think that like the last few words are about Sunderland. Well, there was a piece in all the opening bits about Sunderland where he currently was, but the rest of the book was obviously written previously when he was at West Ham. And he was quite bitter about it. 
but with that comes this sort of passion and this integrity that you, I personally like from a manager. He's like clearly emotionally invested, and it hurts them when the fucking when the fans kick off about it and complain about the way they they do their job. So it's interesting now with a completely different manager who seemingly can't not get the best out of his squad, but he can't get the best out of his actual bosses. He can't get the best out of his employers. He can't get the money that he needs to do the job that he's supposed to do. I don't know. I'm just, I suppose I'm sitting here feeling a little bit sorry for Simon Grayson, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I agree. It, it can't be easy being him right now because surely he didn't sign up for this situation. Um, I don't know. I think he, I think he maybe didn't know the extent of it. It sounds he, like he's been sold a couple of false promises. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's he when he's speaking at the start of the window about his phone ringing off the hook from players wanting to join Sunderland and then talking about having not the best budget in the league but certainly a competitive one. Like when you consider he's probably spent about two to three million pound in total, if that. Um, that's not a competitive budget. That I think before today we. Had, there was only five teams that spent less than Sunderland in the whole league. One of which was Barnsley, who've just trounced us. Um, it's, it, you know, he can't have been fully aware of that. Like, you know, I, I think maybe the club were expecting to sell Coney, the club were expecting to sell Kazri and just weren't able to. Um, obviously, he would have had a little bit more to spend had that been the case. Um, but he just didn't have, he didn't have enough to even bring in a player. Um, of Hugo's ability I don't know whether he was that interested in him but I mean we all know that we're, we're sorely lacking a goal scoring target man and there's a man there's a man who we had playing under him just a, you know last season so um, yeah I, I think I think I don't know what the, the people listening think maybe they want to leave some comments about what they think about Grace and what he missed all promises and what have you but I mean yeah, the, job, the, the job the job he's the job he's done when you consider the amount of money that's been spent fairly extraordinary but he's no. done a good job yeah it's it's fair to say that it's not his fault for this I mean you could argue again that he's he took the job but I don't know it doesn't strike me as the moist time it's going to walk away with millions I suppose that's something that really digs at you as well is that every time a manager comes in and complains about there being no funds he leaves and gets paid off and it's sort of like it's really it's counterintuitive isn't it it's really well it's counterproductive as well it's not cost effective it doesn't make any sense Manager's coming in. Oh, there's no money at this club. I'm leaving. But I'll take three million pounds with me. <laughs> Just, and that's undoubtedly one of our outlays. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we were still paying money to the last couple of managers. I think that's feasible, isn't it? Maybe not. Maybe not still paying them, but we'll have had to fork out a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah. And would we? Would we? Would it have been paid up front? Surely. When yeah, you surely. Yeah, yeah. How much we scrape together? I don't know. I'm sure some of these people would be happy to accept. I don't know. A million over three years. Think about it. I'd rather have it all. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. you've got to, you've got to think, you've got to think like in the case of the managers we've laid off. Like, you, you, how can you budget for that? Like, maybe in Sunderland's case, you probably can because we we go through managers like you know, there's no tomorrow. But like, you can't budget for a manager leaving. So when you want to sack one, what do you do? Really? Do you? How do you even? How do you even? account for that is that not just something that comes out of short part even still we're talking about we're talking about this like managers being sacked but when you look at the last five or six not many of them have been sacked I don't think I mean Moyes wasn't sacked was he wasn't that a mutual agreement or he walked he resigned didn't he yeah and then before him Allardyce left for the England job we made money from that Um, before Allardyce was Dick Advocat who resigned 
before Advocat was Poye, who resigned. So you're talking yeah. about something different, yeah, you know. I mean, there may have been an agreement to let them managers go, but, I mean, it's not like we've went out and sat them and it's come straight out of a... Yeah, but there's no way they were pot. walking away with no money. No, no, no. I will. I certainly believe that in the case of Moyes, I don't think. I don't think that was that was uh, one way or the other. I think. I think that was a case of you know, all right, you've got a four-year contract, a three-year left of four-year contract, but you need to go. If we give you this much money, we'll call it a mutual thing and we'll mm-hmm. part ways. Mutually beneficial. He makes a little bit of money and the club save a little bit through not sacking him. I don't. Yeah, know. but who are you, who are you who are you depending on there? You're depending on some like. Um, some fantasy <laughs> intellectual that's running the club that's actually thinking logically the way you and I might when we're talking about how few our finances are. Like in reality, mm. who is there to make that decision? There's, that's not happening, is it? I mean, we can't make. We haven't got a striker. I, I, I don't want to. Well, I do, and I don't want to keep coming back to this point. I suppose that's the overriding point of the entire night, isn't it? That's the ending to our tale. Is that we don't have a striker. <clears throat> not just a striker, we don't have any inta- attacking impetus. I suppose we have some, but not enough to build up any momentum, not enough to really be lethal in the final third. We have nothing that will frighten anyone on the pitch. Uh, it's like players like Ndong. I mean, it's it's a shame to rely on him, really, because he's so young. Ideally, you want to be in a situation where a player like Ndong is coming through as a prospect, or rather, not a prospect, but he, he's allowed enough time to bed in not to this scenario like straight up with like straight into the deep end but with players like him we're relying on youth we're relying on his abilities we're relying on his composure in a situation where you've got players who are very experienced at this level and players who are very well they're aware you know their managers will make them aware their their coaches will make them aware that the players they come up against I mean, they'll make them aware of how they act. And Dong is very clearly a player who needs support all the time. He needs strong support, otherwise he can go missing. He's a great player, fantastic range of passing, fantastic accuracy on his day, very good work ethic, very strong, eager as well. He goes into challenges, he, he takes the ball back, which you don't really see that much. It seems to be whenever Catmull goes to take the ball back, he ends up not getting yellow, but... I mean, actually, to be fair, I'm not going to say that because Lee Catmull's awesome. He's probably my favourite player. Let's talk about that, actually. Everyone's favourite player. Gav, who's your favourite Sunderland player now? Currently, um, Catmull. Catmull. Has to be Cat's like, just... It's uh, got to be you. <laughs> Free shortcomings. you. Free shortcomings, or he's, a, he's, a, he's just everything that embodies this club to me. He's just a committed leader, loves, loves getting stuck in. Um, people look up to him on the pitch. It's just a shame he's never been fit much over his time here. Um, but it, I'm, what I am glad about is that we've been able to maybe by bringing a player in Williams that can complement him slightly and maybe that'll lessen the, the need for him and, and Donk to maraud forward as much if they've got, got a capable number 10 sitting in front of them who can link the play and may bring the most out of someone like Catamull. We might, see, we might see a bit more from him this year than we have maybe since he started getting injured those early days because he's been in and out of the team, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, Cats for me. Cats definitely the type of player that you want at this club. Um, someone the young players can look up to, and I don't buy into this rotten core thing when it comes to Catmull. I think just a decent bloke who gets it, and for all of these flaws, maybe is more about Sunderland than perhaps any player we've signed in the last fifteen years. Mm. 
That's true. So, Graham? Uh, probably McGeady. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, I'll, I just like... It doesn't take long with you, does it? You're a cheap date. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I, there's there's uh, Williams confirmed, but just to kind of reiterate my point, I think mm-hmm. since I was... Since I've watched something, I've always just like like I think Martin Smith was my first favorite player, and it was just someone who can get the ball and just makes me get off my seat. Like I loved Sessegnon, even when he was shite when he got the ball, I thought something might happen here. And I feel a little bit like that with McGeady. So I mean, Catamore's the obvious one, but I, I've I don't know about Catamore at the minute. I, I'd say probably McGeady, yeah, because he, he's just the only player on the team that can get the ball and make you think something might actually happen. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Copley? Uh, my favorite current player probably would have to be. Catamol just with a tenacity in the midfield, as Gav said, he's been here a long time. Um, and we've always had that kind of hard work in midfield going back to the to the Bobby Kerr days. It kind of typifies the club in a way. We've had Kevin Ball and Gary Bennett in that mould, uh, Grant Ledbetter, and I think Catamol really continues on in that tradition. So he'd probably be my current player, if anything, just because he's been around the longest as well. Fair enough. Well, for me personally, I think I would also say Lee Catamol. It's interesting. It's an interesting. Um, he, I, I suppose everyone would agree that he symbolises what we want in Sunderland, doesn't he? He symbolises like the right attitude. And um, he goes round. He goes round Newcastle, smashing cars up with Nicholas Bentley. Yeah. So what, what, <laughs> what more could you? <laughs> Fuck the mags. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been fantastic doing our first live show with you. Um, mm. Shouldn't be the end of it, I don't think. I think we should continue. So what we'll do is we'll get some retweets, we'll get some feedback. Do be sure to give us a shout on Twitter. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on uh, Acast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Talk to us on Facebook. Go visit RokerReport.com. There's loads of ways you can get in touch with us, actually, you lucky people. So, yeah, you do that. and Let us know what you want. Let us know what you want from future podcasts, and we'll... We'll do this more often. But, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, it would be great if Sunderland had signed a striker. They didn't. But from me and the rest of the Roker Report crew, yeah, cheers very much. It's been, it's been emotional. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you in the near future. Take care now. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.